0: Fruits, or five pounds for a pint of fierce, or a daiquiri, any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds! Well, foot there. <laughs> $2 away. It is Madison. It's Tuesday and you know what that means Welcome to episode 103 of the ABZ Football Podcast I'm Gary Scott and as always this evening I'm joined by Gavin J Baxter Gavin, how's it going?
1: Let's just say, how am I? Let's just say that it's a good thing that we typically don't record these episodes Immediately after the game I think that my blood pressure has <laughs> dropped back to a healthy a healthy level in comparison to what it was Roughly between the hours of half past three And half past five p.m. Saturday afternoon But I'm sure once you start talking about the game And we once we get into it It'll uh, spike up Yeah, I remember a few weeks ago we were like Oh, all this winning's a bit of a nonsense, isn't it? Well, here we are
0: <laughs> The second episode in a row now without a win But um, no Graham this evening His blood pressure still not come back down again So just you and I tonight, Gav And in a week that saw Real Madrid versus Manchester City upstaged by Airdre versus Falkirk in the League One playoff semi-finals. What a game that was, by the way. That saw Neil Lennon with some fetching eyewear at Ochilview and that saw red and white fedoras become all the rage around the northeast of Scotland. It is another fairly busy one here on the EBZFP as we take a look back over the week that was as the Dons celebrated the 40-year anniversary of our Gothenburg Greats. We'll then review the 0-0 draw with Hibs at Butaudry in the cinch on Saturday afternoon. We'll bring you the latest news from the young team, the Quines, and we'll check in with our remaining loanees who are still in competitive action in Loan Watch. And then after the break, we'll bring you the results of our ABZ FP awards and we preview the massive, massive game now next Saturday, lunchtime in the capital as the Dawns take on Hearts as the race for third continues to rage on. But first... I'm sure we're all in agreement, I say all in agreement, you and I, Gavin, I know that Graham is as well, just about what an amazing week it has been and gone as the Dawn celebrated the 40-year anniversary of our unbelievable win over Real Madrid and Gothenburg. And I know that the club sometimes think we can be a little bit overly critical of stuff, but hey, that's kind of our job, is to be a little bit vocal about things when things aren't going well. Um, but similarly to how they handled the Fergie statue unveiling last year, credit where it's due, wonderfully done all over again
1: yeah without doubt I mean it's been a really fitting tribute to the legacy of of Gothenburg what is you know still for me undoubtedly the greatest achievement in the history of of Scottish football Um, it's been really nice that uh, the players have all been able to get together and celebrate uh, be recognized it's nice that and I say when I say all the players because I know there's one or two that I've had let's say less than um kind relations with the club in the last 10, 15 years, but they've all kind of put that to one side and come together to celebrate this, this incredible achievement and the club deserve credit for what they've done, the part they've played. You've, you felt it from, from Thursday through Saturday, there was a a genuine buzz around the city, uh, that stems from us recognizing this, yeah, this, this once in a lifetime achievement that those, that team were capable of, uh, well, yeah, achieving. The BBC documentary in
0: particular um, that was out on Thursday night, and I know that John McLeish, Alex's son, deserves a lot of credit for this one being pulled together. It was great viewing. The gala dinner on Thursday night was brilliant. The ceremony on Friday where the feed in the city was going to the Gothenburg team and also to the football club and two distinct um, awards. Then also the combined team getting their moment back in the sunshine on Saturday afternoon in front of a full house of pathology. All great. The displays in both the RDS and the sheds also absolutely brilliant well done to everybody involved with those ones and also I know it's been mentioned before but I think it's a huge one really fair play to Duncan Fraser and the AFC Heritage Trust in lobbying and persuading UEFA to award those six extra winners medals to Sir Alex Archie Knox and then to the families of Teddy Scott and Chris Anderson uh, Ian Donald one picking up uh, one on behalf of the Donald family and then obviously for Dougie Bell as well um, all well deserved and I know that um, in particular for Dougie, we have an interview in the can with Dougie, which we did a while ago and hasn't actually come out yet. Um, I know in particular that meant an awful, awful lot to Dougie Bell being recognised on that level um, as everybody else. So top stuff all around from the club and and the Heritage Trust and Duncan Fraser, I think, on that side of things.
1: 100%. And I think a final note, it's just been been nice how poignant uh, a point has been made of recognising, obviously, those who are no longer with us uh, to celebrate this achievement, specifically uh, Neil Cooper. So... Here's one for Ty.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, all round, great job from everyone involved. Rolling the celebrations in November to mark the second star and the win over Hamburg in the Super Cup. But let's get down to business.
1: Yeah, enough of the good stuff.
0: <laughs> Aberdeen nil, Hibs nil, Saturday the 13th of May 2023 at Pottery Stadium in the Cinch. An unchanged starting eleven. And an unchanged bench from Barry Robson as the Dons looked to round off a memorable week for the club with a win that would see us strengthen our grip on third place. Hebs with one change from their win over St Mirren last week. Josh Campbell coming in for Jake Doyle Hayes. More about Campbell later. And But it was the visitors fastest out the gates with Liam Scales in the book with less than a minute on the clock as he lunged in on Kevin Nisbet after being sold short by a pass from Johnny Hayes. Kel Roos then having to make his first stop of the afternoon. First Nisbet on four minutes before Newell, then headed wide at the back stick with just eight minutes on the clock as the Dons really struggled to get a grip on the game. Yuan then with a fierce drive at the near post that roosted well to get down to as Yuan began to torment the Dons' right flank. A corner for Aberdeen on 23 minutes, still didn't present any respite. Hibbs breaking quickly from it. Yuan away down the left. His pass in this, but was prodded goals by the striker, but it clipped the post and went wide. The Dons then nearly the creators of their own misfortune once again a counter-attack from Hibbs looked to have been stopped with Coulson putting the ball out on the south stand side but he failed to clear it hard enough of touch allowing a quick throw in from Hibbs allowing them to break with numbers and only a poor touch by Campbell allowed allowed the Dons to regroup and eventually Ramadani came away with the ball on the edge of his own box somehow despite all of that the Dons somehow nearly went in at the break a goal up, a well-worked corner routine saw the ball ending up with Coulson and his effort just went over Marshall's goal. Halftime though, nil-nil, and there was a lot of work to be done by Barry Robson and Steve Agnew on this one. And the Dons did commit the traps a little bit better in that second half. Miofsky sending Duncan away, but his effort was deflected wide before Yuan went up the other end and smashed an effort off the post as the Dons continued to ride their luck. Huge controversy. A minute later, Campbell well off the ground in a challenge with scales, his high boot catching scales on the head. Referee Nick Walsh, had his hand in his top pocket to send off the Hibs man, but delayed issuing it due to perceived injury to Campbell. VAR then ruling that a booking was an appropriate response. More on this one, I'm sure, later on, Gav. Uh, my
1: pitchfork and torches ready.
0: Excellent. Good stuff. Hibs seem to take heart from that decision as they then began to dominate the game further. Campbell slicing wide after a cross from Cadden before Dylan Mercandy came on with an hour gone, replacing Ryan Duncan. though again. Back in with Angus McDonald having to make a vital block. McDonald needing some treatment after that one before Duke then had to be replaced after pulling up with what looked like a hamstring strain or pull. Shaden Morris on for Duke in the aftermath of that one. Yuan again, the danger man, a couple of minutes later. His low drive well stopped with Roos. Uh, by Roos with McDonald having to knock the ball out for a corner. And from that corner, Yuan again hitting the bar and the follow-up by substitute McCurdy appeared to have come off of Coulson's elbow before hitting the post. And after a lengthy VAR check, despite no protestations from the Hibs players, a penalty was awarded. Kelroos, the hero, though as he left his legs dangling just enough to block the ball as he dove to his left, but Nisbet went down the middle to keep things level. Watkins and Richardson on for Colson and Miofsky with eight minutes remaining as the game then fell into what I can only describe as a basketball game for the last eight-plus Seven minutes of injury time, as I think there was. Ramadani nearly snatching the points at the end, but his effort was deflected harmlessly into the arms of David Marshall. Full-time, nil nil. Lawrence Shanklin's late late penalty for Hearts and Paisley meant that it does remain, as it was before the start of play, a five-point gap to Hearts in fourth, six-points gap to Hibs in fifth. On the data front, possession 47% to Aberdeen, 53% for Hibs. Shots 8-17 to 17 in favour of the wayside. Shots on target 3-6 to six in favour of the wayside and expected goals. Aberdeen 0.3 to Hibs's 1.94. Now, we'll get into a little bit more detail of the game itself, uh, Gav, but uh, all in all, an incredibly frustrating afternoon for all concerned. I think you're taking a big old swig of that whiskey there. I think it's needed. Um, with the surrounding week and everything around it, And also disappointing that the team would put in a performance of that standard with hearts dropping points as well, an opportunity lost to really just strangle the life out of the race for third place. But when the dust has settled and blood pressures are a little bit lower now, we finished the weekend off no worse than we entered
1: it. Given how bad the performance was, that's got to be a good thing. I feel that we're taking a lot from the Barry Robson post-match interview with that Mm -hmm. statement. And I've seen... One or two people, uh, Aberdeen fans, say the same kind of thing that at this point in the game, this point in the season, you know, it's what we've said a million times since January. If you would offered us this position with three games left to go, uh, back when we were getting sc- scudded by Hearts and Hibs in Edinburgh, we'd have uh, we'd be biting people's hands off. And that's uh, ninety nine times out of hundred, I would completely agree with that sentiment. But uh, the risk of sounding uh, flippant once more. I mean, this team picked one hell of a week to put in their worst performance in months. Um, how incredibly typical with all the good feeling that there's been going around the city and we pack out the stadium, 18,000 people, some some casual fans who maybe haven't been to Padre for a couple of years, you know, getting caught up in the, in the nostalgia, maybe recognizing that, hey, Aberdeen have been on a really good run lately. Let's see what this is all about. And absolutely no one in their right mind is coming back for any more of that. They'll <laughs> no, be saying, oh, so this is; these are two of the best teams in the country, eh? Well, Scottish, it was an even worse shape than I thought they was. Uh, a dreadful, dreadful Aberdeen performance. We could be talking right now about a 3-4, 5-0 Hibs win, and all I'd be saying is, yeah, we got what we deserved.
0: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you about that at all. Um, Hibs, if you put it on their side... They must be scratching their heads still about how they've not come away with three points from Petaudry, um yesterday afternoon. Hip stuck with their four-one-four-one shape that we'd highlighted in the preview show. And it caused us all sorts of problems, didn't it? Especially in the wide areas. Down our right flank in particular, um, Yuan was targeting Coulson um, pretty heavily. And then also in the middle of the park, where we just appeared to be consistently outnumbered throughout the, throughout the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen the... You saw there, the... The problems that come when you have a, a very, very one-footed uh, player in the way of Hayden Coulson, um playing in an unfamiliar, uncomfortable position. I mean, anytime that Yuan went down the right side, uh, went down Hayden Coulson's right side, he just had no answer for it. Um, we've we've spoken at length throughout the season that, you know, Hayden Colson's done some good things for Aberdeen, but generally speaking, his defending hasn't been something we've mentioned in that praise all that often. So then you put him... On a on an unfamiliar flank, it's just it's gonna create problems just naturally. I mean, it's Yolan was probably the best player in the park, to be honest. But I don't think I don't think it it didn't feel like he needed to really do all that much to look like the best player. And when it came to the midfield, um, the central area especially, I mean, goddamn, um, it was yeah. It looked like it looked there like was always a hips player to the first of the ball uh, competing with us. I say competing with us, that implies that we were competing. Um, it was, yeah, it was
0: dreadful. I mean, were you surprised that we didn't do anything with the shape after the opening 20, 25 minutes? But it clearly, the 352, we've been kind of, this is, and oh God, this is already going to sound like it's the kind of like, oh, here we go um, chat about Robson. And I really don't mean it to, but we appear really wedded to this, this shape, this system. I highlighted it in the preview that I felt that the 4141 might cause us problems. It, 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 bore out that way and i was really surprised that we didn't do or didn't appear to do anything to tweak it in that opening 20 25 30 minutes and we didn't really appear
1: to do anything at half time to, to to try and change something with the setup you know what i i was thinking earlier today as we were kind of thinking ahead to a hearts game and what i would change about the team from hibs to hearts and i think the issue will come from the fact that he's going to be extremely reluctant to shift from the back 3 Because the back three have been so good uh, as a collective unit. So uh, was I surprised? Not really, but I did feel... And then again, I think this goes back to what we talked about last week about Robson's probably looked at a core group of maybe 11, 12, 13, 14 players that he thinks he can trust. And the rest he's he's probably just thinking, I don't really want to use these guys if I don't have to. But I mean, uh, Ryan Duncan, I mean, obviously Ryan wasn't listening to your impassioned defense of him last week and the plea for time because that guy could have been hooked after 20 minutes and had no room for complaint.
0: We'll come on to a few more individual performances in a minute. Um, But the tone as well was set, wasn't it, in that opening minute? Slap pay by Johnny Hayes, played scales and all sorts of problems. Scales ends up getting booked inside a minute because he's had to bring this bit down. And we just never got going from that point
1: sloppy, yeah. as uh, an ex-Govern-based manager of ours would say, <laughs> sloppy. And that's not fair. i talking about. No, no, I know. Um, and but that, it was... It's, but it's, that, was it, yeah. that was like almost Johnny Hayes' 90 minutes. absolutely yeah. Because it's really good defensive work to win the ball back. Mm-hmm. And I think he has the option to play a ball at a Duke, mm-hmm. but then he just plays this absolute hospital pass <laughs> to, um, to Liam Scales, who has kind of no real choice but to do what he does. And then obviously that puts Liam Scales on um, on tenor hooks for the rest of the 90 minutes given it's how Hibbs, it's a minor miracle, Liam Scales actually remained on the pitch for yeah. the entire 90. Uh, I, so I, g- <laughs> yeah. I turned to Chris, who I was at the game with as soon as it happened, just being like,
0: well, Liam Scales could be very much on for a hat trick of cards here <laughs> against Hibs <laughs> at this moment in time. Um, he, he actually did very well not to get himself into any sort of bother at all throughout the rest of the game, I thought.
1: I of. mean, uh, we'll move on, to the, we'll get to the incident later, but I'm still amazed that yeah. he didn't get a second yellow later on in the game. Uh, I was kind of thought the same as well. You've touched on it already, um, Hayden Colson,
0: I feel we probably need to talk about it a little bit more. Um, I thought we kind of got away with it a little bit about Ibrox last week, um, playing him in the right wing back area. But he was badly, badly exposed, wasn't he, by Yuan, pretty much throughout the entire game. And he he just looked like a left-sided player being asked to fill in and roll on the other flank. And he just looked incredibly uncomfortable throughout. You've got a player in Yuan who is flying at the moment in terms of confidence, signed a new three-year deal at Hibs, um, I think it was on Friday or Thursday or Friday. Um, I, I, again, I turn to Chris and I'm kind of like eating my own words here a little bit because in the early stages of the season, I remember saying that I thought that UN looked absolutely fucking woeful as a footballer, but I must admit to being very impressed with his performance yesterday. But he gave Hayden Coulson a, a torrid time. and I was really surprised that Colson lasted to 88 minutes, uh, 82 minutes.
1: Yeah, I, I think all it does is speak to the volume of how far out of the picture Jaden Richardson and Matty Kennedy are at Aberdeen.
0: Yeah, which is going to bring us on to that question. I mean, based on the performance of Coulson um, on Saturday, based on how important it is that we don't concede at Tyne Castle next week, is there an argument here for Kennedy or Richardson to come in at Tynecastle next week?
1: What I would say is that obviously we do eventually make the call to to withdraw uh, Hayden Coulson. I think I was probably as much based on the fact he got a yellow for the handball mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and maybe the fear that, you know, he might just get stuck against Yuan and bring him down and get sent off. Uh, Jaden did come on and to be fair, he did all right, I Jaden thought. Jadon did all right. He had one real issue with them. Oh, who's that little arsehole? There's a few. Would have would have McCurdy. In, perf- would have, have McCurdy fit in perfectly in the quote unquote golden generation of Hibs. McCurdy. McCurdy. Yeah, that's him. Had one little issue with them. Dealt with it very well, retained possession. Um, I don't think you can make any sort of case that Hayden Coulson should retain his position, especially at right back in such a crucial game.
0: Yeah, because the likelihood is, we'll come up the Hearts preview later in the show. The likelihood is, with the way that Hearts play at the moment, he whoever's playing on that wide right position is going to come up against Barry Mackay, probably. Um, they've been playing McKay on the wide left, and I feel that. I feel you need somebody just in tight on Mackay. He's not going to run away from you. Um, but I feel you need somebody who can just... He picks up pockets of space. I feel like you need somebody who's willing to put in a shift and just stay disciplined. And that might be a Matty Kennedy type role. This is obviously premised on the fact that Ross McCrory might not be available. And we'll come at the hearts preview later on. But I'm not going to be overly impressed, I don't think, if I see
1: Hayden Coulson lining up at Tencastle in that position. I'm not going to be impressed if I see Hayden Coulson. Nor one or two others in mm. that in that eleven. The thing is, I think it's going to be difficult to make wholesale changes. So we'll talk about the hearts preview later on. Duke and Miosky,
0: they didn't get a sniff of anything all game. Literally just, they literally just—they never saw any sort of action at all. Um, big concern has to be there about Duke pulling up. He didn't look right at all all game. I thought. I thought Ibrox last week. There was a movement he made in the second half where he held his hammy, and I—I I was a bit dubious we might even see him this week. Um, I. Th- pretty sure I saw him holding his hand within the opening five minutes of the game. I know we rely on him and Miowski so so much but if there was any doubt about Duke, maybe a start wasn't the best idea if we've now exacerbated this this injury
1: um, See previous comment about <laughs> lack of faith in fringe players slash yeah. faith in 11-4 group um, Duke for me hasn't looked like Duke for a few weeks now as in, like, there's not been the same sort of explosive yeah. bursts of pace. And I even go back to the 2-0 win against Rangers at Potaudry when I felt that um, he didn't have a particularly good game and and John Super, uh marshaled him very, very well. And I, I, too, saw that little clutch at the hamstring in the first half. Oh, Are we just trying to manage him through an injury? It's not. It's not unlikely. It happens. It's, yeah. Um, we we as you say we we rely on him so so much but yesterday i mean not to sound like not to try and sound too harsh but i mean he was a passenger
0: yeah and this is it i think this is the problem isn't it that when you rely on two players in particular and duke probably more because he's the one who's more likely to create something out of nothing like Miofsky needs the supply he needs he makes intelligent runs but he needs somebody else to find him Duke can manufacture something out of nothing and it feels as though we're so heavily reliant on that at this moment in time that it, obviously we feel we can't not play him. Um, and I tend to agree with you. I, I felt the same about the, the game. I uh, The game of wasn't his best performance. Um, I thought there was still lots of energy from him in that game and he did a lot of good work in terms of tracking up and down. But his performance on the ball wasn't as good as it necessarily had been. Um, last week at Ibrox, he has those two opportunities to score and maybe should do a little bit better with certainly the second one of the two. And like I say, there was definitely a moment in the second half where he kind of pulled up a little bit. It could as well be he it could be a kid who's kind of running on empty a little bit. Um he's been used a lot this season. He's got a very um what's the best way to describe it? Kind of explosive um what's the word I'm trying to, what's what am I trying to say? He's got the very explosive manner of play. Mm-hmm. That's gonna possibly take its toll and he's like, he's not played, you know, top flight football before. He's he's also been part of the Benfica B system. He's played a lot more games I think that we were probably expecting him to play this season. It could just be that it's all kind of catching up with him, possibly at the wrong time
1: for us. I get that impression with with Duke. I get that impression actually with more than him. I think there's probably that's an issue within a lot of that core group as well um as the game went on yesterday. I think back to Jim Goodwin when you know Duke kinda came on the scene and you know he became almost this in double quick time um indispensable player to Aberdeen, but he mentioned that, you know, we had to manage his game time and we had to, we didn't expect for him to be playing as much as he has. And like you say, he has, you know, it's, it's all about the um, fast twitch muscle fibers and all that scientific stuff. Yeah. When it comes to the way that he plays and it's, is going to have an um, an impact on his, uh, his muscles and, and it's going to fatigue over time. Um, it is a little frustrating because we are now in this period where we're playing basically once a week. So you would like to think that you know a professional club with all the science and recovery that we'd have, we'd be able to kind of manage that uh, better. But at the end of the day, I guess these guys are human as well. So, I mean, the pressure, the mental toll is then also going to factor into that, uh, into your physical well-being. It, it probably as well also talks to
0: the lack of depth we have in the squad at the top end of the park. Massively. I mean, you know, we you have Marley Watkins you then have Alfie Bavage, and that's, that's
1: literally all we have. So Alfie Bavage has played, what, less than 30 minutes of first-team football, I think? Well, um, it's, it's okay, you can always put Dylan and Shaden up front. <laughs>
0: we'll come on to talk about Dylan McCandy in a minute, I think. Um, interesting to see how we go next week uh, at Tyne Castle again with, with how we line up uh, system shape, personnel, etc., whether we see Duke there or not. It feels like a game you could possibly say... We take him out of the firing line for this one, um, but we'll come on to that in the preview later on. I asked McDonald's skills. I thought generally they were pretty much excellent throughout. McDonald, I thought, took a little bit of time to get to grips with Nisbet in the first half. There was a couple of times Nisbet kind of bought easy fouls off him, spun in behind him a couple of times. But once McDonald kind of figured it out, he kind of dealt with him pretty well, I thought, for the remainder of the game.
1: Um. Yeah, I think um, I think very few of the outfield players can take any real level of pride in their performance on Saturday. Angus is is one of them. I think I, I, I agree with you. I think um, Nisbet did seem to be getting the better of him. I think Nisbet showed that there's more to his game than just scoring goals. I thought he led the line for Hibbs pretty damn well, actually, in all honesty. And McDonald, you know, took a little bit of time getting used to it. He did get caught conceding some fouls. But yeah, in the second half especially, I mean, there's, there's two last-ditch recovery blocks from Angus McDonald that are game-saving from, from Aberdeen. Scales, um, I would be hesitant to go the word excellent. I thought he was good, but I think there was still some of the Liam Scales I don't like to see interspersed in there. I'm thinking specifically like, in the first half when I think Nisbet hits the post, it's Liam Scales who leaves him wide open independently in the six-yard box. It is I watched it on SportsZone. Uh, no, it's not. SportsZone, it, it is. Said. It was Pollock who left him. No, it's Scales. Scales, Scales should scale sees him. Scales should know he's the he's the danger and he doesn't do anything about know. it. And I then se- And then in the second half, uh, when Yuan breaks down, he sort of leaves it to Leighton Clarkson. And I think it's the left side of centre back, uh Scales should really be taking greater responsibility in that situation.
0: The second that second one might be <laughs> one of those where I was kind of slightly blocked off by the the post in the main stand, which was limited obscure, view, as you know, it did, did obscure a, a relatively large chunk of the middle of the park. Um, but yeah, I I, th- I thought skills did all right, especially considering he was booked so early. I thought he put in a decent performance, um, overall.
1: I think, um, I think, I think the back three deserve credit in the sense that, as I said, there was a lot of you know, last ditch recovery moments. Uh, Johnny Hayes deserves credit in that sense as well. And you know, Hibbs had a lot of set pieces a lot of corners especially and I never felt in danger in that as a testament to especially the back three and go back to again the the recruitment in January to bring in these three and really uh, bolster us from a physical perspective I mean uh, in the first half season I think we can see the set piece easily yeah I mean we nearly did to be fair they do hit a bar
0: from a set piece but um, Roos had it covered (laughs) I thought Matty Pollock suffered a bit with Coulson on his outside right certainly first half Pollock seemed a lot at the time to be kind of caught in two minds about whether he should go over to try and cover Yuan. there was a couple of times where he was really hesitant about going in to make tackles on, which is not something we've seen from Matty Pollock at all in his time here at Aberdeen so far. I think he really suffered from having coaching on the outside right to begin with. But then I feel as though it kind of did kind of bed in a little bit. And I thought second half, again, he he probably played a lot better. But the first half was a little bit ropey as well, I thought. It's probably as ropey as I've seen Pollock since he's been here
1: yeah i mean indecisive is probably the best word it's and matty pollock's played in a way that's beyond his years with how um the way the much how much authority that he plays with um i think that you're probably right as far as maybe she didn't really quite know where it was meant to be uh throughout the first half and you know you don't want to be diving in on a player like who has got like good turn of pace and pretty quick feet um and then there was just that seemed to translate to him in possession, you know, there was a lot of headers that were going kind of into just no man's land and the distribution at times in the in the first half. I think Boyan Miofsky especially was getting uh I will say displeased with some of my Pollock's efforts. Uh yeah, not not his finest, not his finest day. Um right. Come on then, Gav.
0: Here we go. Ramadani. I think this is very much a game that so many different people have come away with, differing views on his performance. I thought first half, and I messaged you at the time, I thought he, along with Roos and Scales and maybe McDonald, where the two kind of came with pass marks. Um, I don't disagree with you but the fact that his distribution is still causing us issues, but I felt that he was certainly the centre of the park, the only one who was trying to break up play. He was the only one trying to do that. He was the only one trying to drive us forward. Um. I know you had a differing view And this is one of these things as well Where I, I do wonder sometimes If it Actually where you sit in the stadium Does give you that Slightly different perspective Because where I was I was you know, main stand Just above the tunnel area Where there was a lot of the game Being played down that end of the park Relatively close into the pitch You can see the work that he was doing um, I know you've got a different view about this There was the, there was some debate In the WhatsApp group Last night about Ramadan's performance That's fair uh, to say
1: Listen should, should, we, should we just skip over this? Because I mean I feel that we're going to leak. Really, this is like match six of a best of seven series between Baron Corbin and Wardlow people are going to be so bored about listening to us chat about Ramadani um I I thought it was bad I I, I, I'm I'm, I'm just I'm kind of tired of people constantly making excuses for what I see which is losing the ball in critical areas so often And not seemingly not being aware that there are opposition players on the pitch who will want to try and take the ball off him, and I just I don't think he's strong enough defensively at times. I think there was a moment in the second half when Hibbs had a counter attack, and it's a it's a Ramadan ball every day of the week, and he somehow Hibbsite comes away with it. I just, yeah, I did not think he had a good game at all, and I'm kind of tired. I I get that Ryan Duncan wasn't good, um, but. I mean, I don't look at it that he's the one person trying to do everything. I think Leighton Clarkson was equally trying to do things. I think they just both had bad games. Um, But it was... All the negative hallmarks of Ramadani I saw yesterday in abundance. And no amount of badge thumping is going to change my mind on that.
0: (laughs) I I, I genuinely felt sorry for him, especially first half, because I felt he was going to do basically three people's worth of work. Because I thought that Clarkson... And Duncan were completely anonymous from a defensive perspective. Um Duncan put in one tackle, I think, in the in the opening forty five minutes against maybe have been Ewan actually. Um he kind of stepped in where I thought Pollock should have done it. Um apart from that, I didn't really feel that any of the other two central midfielders were helping him at all on the defensive side. And I know we had a bit of a we had a bit of a barney about it in the WhatsApp group as well. But there was a moment in the first half <laughs> where he where he drove out with the ball and he kind of like chopped and, turned, topped and again. turned and turned and turned and turned again and I I was looking at it and I looked up the park and I thought everybody's running away from this guy. No one's showing like a pass for him. All that's left for him are ambitious passes to try to play. And that's why I think he was chopping and chopping and chopping. because He was looking for somebody just to show and give him a five, 10 yard pass that he could play and help move us up the park. I take the point that the, the solution to that is still not to then give the ball away. But I felt sorry from that point. I was like, I think he's trying to do the right thing and he's not being helped by his teammates here.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I would take a <laughs> shock horror. I would take a differing view on that. Um, I thought Duke and Miofsky were making wide runs for him to play a much earlier ball. I guess he couldn't the ball to
0: Miofsky. The was, ball to Miofsky wasn't on. It wasn't was, on. Neither
1: was the ball that he played.
0: No, so, I know it wasn't on, so. but the ball to me But it was like it was like guys were running away
1: from him and they weren't giving him proper angles to, to give... I thought it, I thought it was a strange anyway. time to try and pay tribute to the David Wotherspoon chop. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. I just I felt sorry for him. I just felt like I was like watching just everyone
0: run away from him. And it is what what it, it wasn't. It wasn't his finest afternoon. I'm not going to try and pretend it was, but I don't think it was as bad as I saw some people try to make out online last I night. I
1: wouldn't go along with them. Um, I think Gav McDonald, <laughs> whose name I think, who referred to it as being the worst midfield performance <laughs> in his like thirty. 33 years ago we watch Aberdeen But um it also wasn't Well, he wasn't the worst midfield performance on the pitch yesterday. Well that's that's so. <laughs> true. But it also wasn't um, you know, let's get your swords and shields out and let's come out and defend Ilber Ramadanny do. Possibly not. Anyway, let's move on. A- an afternoon to
0: forget for Ryan Duncan. I was actually surprised. We are, by the way,
1: agreed by the that like, like Wardlow is
0: mid, right? Uh Wardlow's definitely mid. Yeah. yeah they should never say. have they've fucked that right up.
1: Yeah. Strap yeah. the rocket and turns out the guy hasn't got any of them.
0: No, why hasn't it got it when he doesn't have like an MGF? Without, well without
1: MJF, yeah. And yeah. that
0: that's that ship has sailed. So see
1: okay, you on the Indies. See see you making some dimes on the Indies in a few years, kids. Yeah, definitely. Um that'll be another. babe's I mean. not here, we can actually we can we can embrace this. <laughs>
0: that'll be another thousand listeners just turning off right now. Um and I have to to forget for Ryan Duncan. I was surprised actually today when I went back to look at the numbers. I was surprised it was the hour mark that he got to before he was um, taken off. I, I, you, you, you mocked me earlier on, Gavin, about this for making an impassioned defence about Ryan Duncan last week. I don't think I made an impassioned defence about him. I think what I said was I had to give the kid time because I'm, I, I am, I am genuinely. <laughs> hang on, I am genuinely sick and tired of seeing Aberdeen fans jump on the back of young players coming through. The the setup At the earliest opportunity Right I think you do have to give players That time To settle into the team And we need to remember Ryan Duncan is still A very young kid He has a lot of promise to him All of that said I do think it is time For him to come out the side now And let him take stock Of his first season As a first team player And we need to figure out His best role Because I think We've all said it for weeks now I don't think this advanced Centre midfielder, number almost like a number ten role, but dropping back in to help out. I don't think it's his best, the best one for him, and I think it's circumstance because obviously Graham Shinny suspended.
1: But it's time for him to commit the team now, isn't it? I've been I've been banging the Ryan Duncan drum for the longest since the since the <laughs> League Cup group stages, um, when I thought that there is a lot in there. I think a counterpoint I would bring to the whole idea of Aberdonians getting on the backs of people who come through the youth setup is that equally for the the duration of time I've been going to watch Aberdeen there's always been someone in and around the first team who has come through the youth setup and is patently not good enough to be there and yet... But but are you uh, putting Ryan Duncan uh, in that category? I'm not putting him in there Right, okay. But I'm just saying that I think it's fair to say that they're you know, to call out bad performances when bad performances occur, and what I'm kind of what I'm tired of is that well, you see substandard players just being accepted, and well, you know people will come along and say, "Well, they didn't do anything wrong today, so what are you complaining about?" <laughs> <laughs> and then shock horror, you're you're supporting a team that finish in the bottom six for you know most of your lifetime. Um, yeah, you know, there has to be a level of standards like when when you come to the USEP. there is. That's I think that's oh, what of course you know, it is. Yeah. That's what um I think that's what Darren McKenna said, and that you have to. You have to almost be better than the experienced players to maintain your position. And some players, they come in and they rise to that challenge. Lewis Ferguson did it. Scott McKenna did it. But I mean, you know, I just think of likes of you know, I know Graham. Graham's not here. I can actually say. Dad and Mackie should not have had ten years as Aberdeen player. No, oh, of course he, he should he have. Could, And he got that as much to do with the fact he was through the youth setup and an Aberdeen lad. It was the same with um, you know Connor McLennan. Got ample opportunities because we have this fascination with a team that has young players coming, and I want that to be the case. But the players have to be of the required standard. Yeah, I don't disagree about that at all.
0: I don't. I don't think anyone would disagree with that at all. I, I do get a little bit fed up. though. have seen. I I do see it happen a lot where it seems to be Aberdonian boys as well who come through the setup seem to be the first ones that people really really pick on, um, for whatever reason. Um, I also wonder as well a lot of the time about. Because Conor McLennan is a player who continues to fascinate me. It's a, it's a good kind of... And it's a good player you've picked up on this one. Because I do think that... I wonder if the likes of Conor McLennan show up really, really well in training. And so that's part of the reason they keep getting chances.
1: I think it's that. I think you'll probably also just look at them as like their raw attributes and say, good size, good pace, etc. cetera, et cetera. We're back in that sort of McClelland era of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, you know, good pace, good size... We'll teach him. It's we'll teach him much. how to play football later. It's all right. I don't even think it's as much as that because
0: I actually, I actually think that McLennan, let's use McLennan as an example here. I think McLennan can play football. I think he's got no. Wh- uh, hear me out. Did you watch the St. Johnson highlights of the weekend? No. Hear me out about this. What I mean when I say that is, I think yeah, he's yeah. actually, I think he's got ability. Yeah. I think if you put if you throw a ball to him and leave him a training scenario, he probably looks really good. Like it's not just about the fact he's I don't I I genuinely don't think we're in a place anymore like the Chip McClellan days where it's he's big and he's strong at like age fourteen or he's quick and we'll, we'll worry about coaching the football part into them later on. I think guys at like McClellan are probably on a technical level good. I just don't think they can play in a game situation. Mm-hmm. And that's the pro and and that's the that I guess at the end of the day is always going to be the um what's the what's the word I'm looking for like the 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 X factor, isn't it? Somebody can put all that together and then in a game situation implement it. How many times have yeah. we said that McLennan, I keep going McLennan, but he's the, easy, he's the easy one to look at here. It's like his brain's telling his feet what to do or his feet are running away before his brain they're, can catch up. They're
1: not listening. Yeah,
0: They're not like joined up at all in a game situation. I still think there's probably a player in there with Conor McLennan, but I don't know how anyone finds it. And I think that we've seen it now in this St Johnson loan spell that... I don't think he's going to have a a, a top flight like, career of any real significant duration um, in Scotland. I think it's probably fair to say. Yeah, I just I just don't want us to go down the road where we're just continually criticising young players coming through when they don't quite hit eight nine out of ten every week.
1: They need like, time. Yeah, I get that, and likewise, I don't want to be a situation where we have players in and around our team for five six years, and we're constantly talk about their merits, and if they had been signed from you know. Oh yeah, if they if they come if they come, come from Doncaster, they wouldn't be a talking point. They'd be gone within yeah. six months. I agree, and
0: that's fair. I think it's fair. Ryan Duncan, back to him. I just think it's probably time. Shout! <laughs> he had a terrible, he had a terrible <laughs> afternoon. Um, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> I think it is time for him to come out of the team and absolutely let him reflect on the season. He's done well, you know. He's, he's made himself into a first team player now this season, um, which I don't think necessarily would have been the plan at the start of the season. Uh, I think he would have been very much on the fringes. There might have even been talking about going back on loan maybe because he was at Peterhead last season. so there's You would have thought maybe a championship team would have been the natural step-up point for him. Um, I'm convinced there's a player in there with Ryan Duncan, so I think we just need to keep things level-headed and, and see where we get to. Anyway, the subs. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's one of these where like, I don't... I I, I. I honestly, not being personal about people. Really not. But um, just being general. Just you mean general, but we were stand because of where I was sitting. Um, yesterday, obviously the Aberdeen subs warm up at the the RDS end, and it was happening very you know right in front of us, and I saw Steve Agnew shouting down towards. Well, McAnney was the only guy out warming up at this point, and I saw Agnew shouting down to him, and and then obviously McAnney made the the sprint up the up the up the line, and it was that moment of like <laughs> I think they're bringing McAnney on. <laughs> I think they're bringing Mark Andy on I actually think they're about to bring Mark Andy on and I couldn't believe this was about to happen purely because we've seen nothing of him since he's been here and it felt to me at that point he came on for he came on for Duncan didn't he yes. it felt to me at that point I was like uh, something has to change clearly um, that wasn't the substitute I was expecting to see um, in retrospect it kind of makes sense because I think Mark Andy does come here as a kind of winger slash number 10 so I can now see the logic in it to an extent. Um, that said, he spent 30 minutes on the park and I'm
1: still not any cleaner. Is <laughs> any good or not? Um, well, I, I think he's left footed. Yes. So I've learned that about him. <laughs> he's a tiny, tiny little man. He is quite small. And I think he might be rubbish. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's hard to tell. He He didn't do anything. He ran around quite a lot. He seemed to be like constantly under the ball and spinning, quite (laughs) a spinning in no particular direction, kind of like a dog chasing its tail. And um, tried to beat men and often didn't. I'm looking at his actual individual data for yesterday. He had so his 30
0: minutes in the park, he attempted eight passes. He was accurate with his passes on 50% of the time. So he only made made four four passes. passes. Um, He had 19 touches in his 30 minutes on the pitch Um, His successful dribbles were 0 out of 3 Sounds about right His accurate crosses were 0 out of 1 Sounds Um, about right Yeah um, Yeah. Prime Niall McGinn he is not Doesn't seem like it But I still can't tell if he's any good or not It It was just an odd substitution Again when you look at the bench I was like there's other players I would have maybe thought about Bring you on at that
1: point And it was just a strange I mean, switch I mean listen, Connor Barron, just kiss goodbye to your upside as a footballer <laughs> If this schmuck's coming on instead of you <laughs> um, Yeah, an odd one I can only presume he's had a good week in training I don't know Anyway um, Well maybe Barron was listening to our show last week And heard you two going in on him about substitutions And thought, you know what, I'm going to go rogue <laughs> Yeah, maybe Yeah, Show these guys Where's no the go where's, where's the lad from blackburn <laughs> looking around and then looks at his feet oh there you are dylan <laughs>
0: um we're allowed to laugh at these things because like we're all relatively vertically challenged on this show so it's fine um well gav's not game I and i are um <laughs> i think i'm what's referred to as average height average yes probably um yeah, the morris also got another
1: one out and again Still can't tell if he's any any use or not. I don't know. Um, um, the moment when <laughs> Boyan Miofsky went off. Miofsky <laughs> I was went, did Miofsky go off for Morris? No, Miofsky went for Watkins. Obviously, was w- it? Uh,
0: Duke went off for Morris.
1: Yeah, that's right. And then what, I just so Watkins came on for Watkins came on for Miofsky. Came on for Miofsky. because so we could a double, double change at that point. Yeah, because Jalen came on yeah. for Coulson. Yeah. Um, when I kind of saw Robson and Agnew communicating with the front line. And it looked as though at that moment Morris went into the striking role. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you were in the main stand. I was in the shed. So we had dual perspectives on the game. Yes, absolutely. And that's what I, we bring you here on the EBZFP. I sort of looked around me for someone to just acknowledge what just happened. And no one was taking me on because why would they? And then I just sort of had a shudder and a sort of flashback to the days of John Stewart and Lee Hines. <laughs>
0: what when it was uh, Watkins and Morris? Uh,
1: Watkins, Markandy, and, and Shaden Morris. Morris leading the line for Aberdeen. That was, um, yeah. A thing. It's a thing, a thing we all that, saw. That will, I think, go down in inf- infamy in our <laughs> club's history.
0: Right. While well, we're not taking the piss out of our own team too much, let's talk about VAR. First things first, the, the penalty. I think, by the strictest interpretation of the laws of the game, it probably is one. Although I'm not entirely sure what players meant to do when a shot is smashed at you from about three yards away and it hits you, but never
1: mind. Well, I mean, not to go full blown tin hat, but you've seen the Connor Goldson handball this weekend, right? Yeah, I've seen Connor Goldson play <laughs> as the fucking
0: like center at netball <laughs> the, for most of the season slash defensive lineman. Yeah. I don't know I don't know netball positions.
1: Having seen that, and there was Gold one. Defense. Other, there was one other in might have been England, might have been Scotland, I can't remember where it was anymore, but it's a kind of to me, based on what I've seen. I haven't seen the Connor Goldson one, right? But is this, this one where he's like on the
0: deck? It's on the deck. Right. In fairness, the laws of the game say that that's not a penalty kick. If you're supporting your body with your arm and the ball hits your arm, it's not a penalty. It's not a free kick, which strikes me as being mental when you think about the
1: things that are allowed to be classes being penalty kicks well, these days. This is the thing. what what is a penalty anymore? Because <laughs> earlier in the, earlier in the season, like around the kind of Livingston game at, down there with free <laughs> if the ball hits your hand, it's a penalty. Yeah. Now we're saying, oh, actually no. But if you're in this position, then it's not. But if you I, I think hope. I I went
0: to I went to IFAB today because um. That's what I spend my Sundays doing and had a look at this again. It basically seems as though basically if your ball if the ball hits you anywhere below armpit, it's pra- it's pretty much gonna be a penalty kick unless you can point to the fact that your ball, your 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 arm should have been in that place for a, a reason. Like for a, a genuine reason.
1: So, so it's, it's up to interpret it's up to the referees' interpretation. Having been in the stadium when it was given and you know, just everyone around us being just like, What's this VIR check for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because, as you say, no hips player appeals for it. No mccurdy's fan, appeal for it. not even McCurdy recognises it. Probably could was high on glue, but <laughs> nothing. And then you look back and see, like, okay, yeah, it hits his elbow. If it doesn't hit his elbow, it probably smashes into the net. I think Keldriss probably saves it, to be honest, but never mind. <laughs> well, you know, with the, with the day that he had, maybe. Yeah, anyway. But um, it was a great save from Hayden Colson. But... um. I'm I'm just I'm I'm completely lost now as to what is and what isn't handball and what is a natural movement and what we're how we're defining that because like I'm, what's Hayden Coulson meant to do in that situation if he's diving in that's the thing for me I think he probably does because he does slightly have his have I get that but that's bit, gonna happen when you make that kind of attempted
0: clearance it probably is I just think it's one of those it's like because as well nobody appeals it it just gets no one even thinks about it without Var being there
1: um, yeah, chalk this up as another day that VAR has uh, made football a less engaging experience.
0: Absolutely, but let's talk more about, that, about the Campbell Scales incident because. So take a big swig on this one. So I was in the main stand for this. It was clear as day to us that Walsh went to his top pocket straight after the incident because I talked to. at The time was that like, he's a way to send them off. He's a way to send them off. Anyone who watched Nick Walsh at Timecastle last week will have spotted that he keeps his red card in his top pocket. He's a ref who does who puts it there. He then decides to clearly hold off from doing any sort of issuance of a card at all because Campbell was down in inverted commas, injured. And then clearly he decides Nick Walsh to let VAR make the decision for him. Now, I might be wrong about this, but again, I went to check it again and again today. The whole point of VAR in Scotland is meant to review decisions once they've been made or if they've been missed. So he clearly sees it. He's going to take action and he pauses. At that point, no decision's been made. Nothing's been missed. How can VAR intervene on this at that point? I don't understand. If he had given a red card, if he followed through with his initial thought process, do you think that VAR sends him over to take a look at it again because it would have classed as being a clear and obvious error? If he had given a red card. If he'd given the red, do you think VAR sends him to go and take another look at it? Would they have said that's a clear and obvious error, so we need to intervene and tell them that's, that's not I a red? Ca-
1: I cannot see how you would look at that as anything other than endangering an opponent.
0: Yeah, and this is the thing I don't understand, is instead he hangs off, hoping for VAR to sort it out for him, and then they tell him it's, it's not a red card. And whether you think it is a red or a yellow, and I'm on the fence with it a little bit, I think it's in, I think it's in the, is it using excessive force? I don't think so. Is it endangering an opponent? I think it absolutely is. And on that basis, it it falls within the definition of serious foul play under the IFAB laws. Because I spent a lot of time again looking at it again today. Where do you think it is a red or a yellow? And I, again, I think the way that the game in Scotland is at the moment, there's genuinely no way of telling what is and what isn't a red card anymore. Fundamentally, this is not how VAR is meant to work, is it? And this is becoming
1: more and more farcical on a weekly basis. I mean, just go back to my sentiments over the last couple of weeks. Has it improved the game? Mm. Absolutely not. Has it made it worse? get this shit in the bin. Nick Walsh feels like a referee who can't
0: referee a game now without VAR. Has he been involved in a game since VAR came in where he's not had something changed that he's done? I mean, it almost feels like at this point, are we just like wasting a wage by having a referee? Uh, Honestly, we might as well just have a you're right, we might as well just have the video on it the entire
1: time and wait for this to happen. If given how often it wants to apparently intervene, then it feels like we're at that point. Um... I cannot see how, in a world where, you know, Graham Shinney is sent off against Ross County, how we can turn around and say that Josh Campbell going in studs first, roughly head height on Liam Scales is not endangering an opponent. Ignoring yeah. the VAR chat, the fact that that collectively as two referees have decided that's not a red card. I, 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 don't, I, I, I don't understand I, it at all.
0: I struggle to see how it doesn't fit the definition of endangering opponent. I'm not, I don't think was, I don't think it was excessive force used. I think it very much defines or sits within the definition of, it, of serious foul
1: play um, and therefore it should um, have been a, a red card for Campbell. As I said, though, I fully expected Nick Walsh to turn around and say, <laughs> you know what, you both went in the same way. So scales, off you pop. I wondered about that as well for a brief moment that that was what was going to happen. Um, as soon as he dished out the yellow to Campbell, I was just yeah, I fully finished the, and then turn yeah. around 180 and, oh, Liam, by the way, here you go. Off you pop. Yeah, definitely.
0: There we go. Let's round it off on a positive note, shall we? Kel an excellent showing from the big Dutchman. We can absolutely thank him, I think, for the point gained as it turned out to be a fine performance. I saw some people criticising his
1: distribution. <laughs> um there was a couple of kicks that went a bit wayward. Well, absolutely. I mean you know what? Let's let's get this idea in the bin that Kel is a good ball playing goalkeeper. Because he's not. He's better than Joe Lewis. That doesn't make you a good ball ball playing goalkeeper. Yeah, Most professional goalkeepers in the country are better ball playing keepers than Joe Lewis. But when it came to the big moments, few saves in the first half, some big saves in the second half, and then the penalty save. Yeah, Kelrus is the Kelrus and the frame of the goalposts at the Merkland end are the reason that we have not lost that game. I thought he was sensational. Yeah, I thought he was great. In fairness to him, he's been pretty
0: much excellent since he's come back into the team after his injury. Um, so fair play to him. I think there was a lot of people, a lot of and us included, I think certainly, so say, with a lot of doubts about Kelrus at the start of the season, but he's certainly proving to be invaluable And games like yesterday are the kind of games that might just help get us over the line in the third place. So for a free transfer acquisition, those saves could be huge in terms of what they could bring in from a, a revenue perspective next season if we can make group stages at Europe.
1: Big up the, uh, the count of Transylvania.
0: It helps. <laughs>
1: there we go. Um, there's only one person for top down, isn't there? A Ramadani. <laughs> Even I'm not that churlish. Uh, it's Kelrus. Honourable mention to Angus Vidal,
0: but it's Kelrus. Yeah, it's Kelrus every day of the week. I thought Angus Vidal had a good game, but no. Nah. Kelrus, every day of the week, twice on Sunday. That's why he picked up 100% of the vote on the uh, AVZ FP poll last night. Shall we move on, Gav? Please, yes. On to other news from maybe 24 this week. To be honest, with all eyes on the Gothenburg stuff, it's been pretty quiet all weeks, which means we can move on to Lone Watch. Conor McLennan, St Johnston, came off the bench for the final 19 minutes. St Johnston were beat 2-0 at home by Motherwell. Suddenly, after everyone thinking St Johnston were three last week of relegation, what is? Kilmarnock and Ross County pick up wins at the weekend. The press Saints are right back in the mire. Only three points clear of the playoff spot. They've got two away trips to Kilmarnock and to Dingwall in their next two games. Uh, Gab, I haven't seen the highlights of this game, but you've appeared to indicate that
1: Connor McLennan might not have had a great 19 I, minutes. I'm not sure what sport it is in America, but there's such a thing as a secondary assist. I think it might be ice hockey. And uh, Connor McLennan should be credited with a secondary assist for the second <laughs> Motherwell goal. He yeah, picks the ball up on the left, kind of halfway line on the left side sprays the ball out to the right side to the motherwell player who then advances the ball and adam montgomery puts in some quality defensive work and motherwell seal the points was it van vane again um uh, mark on mark and mark donnan mark one of the boys they brought in january up okay. front who's not scored a goal until this weekend okay there we go excellent great stuff um Tell you what, the bottom bottom of the table has got spicy again all of a sudden, hasn't it? I thought last week it was kind of sorted. I kind of felt, yeah, that looks about right. Leading into the split, I thought United had done enough. Yeah. And it turns out United had not done enough. Now I feel United are possibly done. I I cannot fathom why Jim has persisted with Birigiti. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I feel you could take literally almost any one of the outfield players <laughs> give them the gloves and this, it will not be as bad he, he is, United are, United have got form for signing some pretty atrocious goalkeepers when they're in the mire, but this boy is something else yeah, I guess the problem might be I don't think they've got, they don't have an option
0: they've only got the young lad, Newland Newman
1: he's not as bad
0: <laughs> <laughs> is really bad like, so yeah, you may be right, I don't know like,
1: funny, it's what it was um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean like, what's what's the fixture, I mean sorry Aberdeen podcast, all that but we're going to go no, a little bit of Scottish football, what's the fixtures on uh, they're away the to Livingston,
0: that might help them because Livy are clearly on the beach um, at this moment in time, then they're at home to Kilmarnock and then they're away to Motherwell for
1: the final day of the season, I'm not sure I see United picking up many points out of that, well see I think Kilmarnock I think will probably beat St. Johnston at home I think Motherwell will probably beat County at home as well I think it could be three home wins in the bottom half in yeah bottom I half. think that that could happen yeah I agree in which case United remain rooted to the bottom with uh, with two games left to go yep I, I, I think United might be fucked um, yeah I think United
0: might even be playoff if they if they don't go down I think they're playoff I think one of the two and uh, Jim's record of big games isn't great is all I'm going to say and Park Thistle looking decent Nick
1: at the moment um, if Park make it to the playoff final, I could see them pulling off. If Air make it, the premiership team are staying up.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably a fair assessment. I think, I think that's probably about right. Um anyway, there we go. That's your weekly dose of Scottish football chat. What do you yep. think we heard there from a minute? totally Scottish football show? <laughs> anyway, on to USL Championship Pro Podcast Territory now. Uh, Dante Povara, he's the only other lone player we have still in competitive action. Played the full 90 minutes as the Charleston battery were absolutely spanked <laughs> by seven goals to nil at by Shawn Michaels of... soccer team. <laughs> yeah, by the San Antonio FC. Oof. <laughs> In my mind, they play sexy boy after every goal. <laughs> I hope they do. They, they, you know they won't, but you, I hope they do. So there we go. Not a good day at the office for Dante Bovara and the battery, it's fair to say. How did Steven's team get on this weekend? Oh, let's have a look. I haven't. I don't know. That's how we we look. Sorry, it takes a while to scroll down to this level of football in the app. (laughs) I could have done it quicker, actually. Hang on. USL. Are they championship or league one? They're championship, aren't they? They're shite, whatever they are. (laughs) Memphis, Memphis, Memphis. They had a two one win. Way against the Colorado Springs switchbacks FC. So Jerry Lawler vanquishes Vader. They did it as well with um, ten men. They were down ten minutes or half an hour. There we go. They've got the boy. Memphis have got the lad that you know, you know United were linked with signing a goalkeeper.
1: Yeah, and his name's he hasn't changed his name. <laughs> his that, name. that story um, was
0: bullshit. They've um they've got him. He's their goalkeeper now. And um, we spoke about this as well, did not we? Did we speak about this? I'm sure we spoke about it. That um Tim Howard's the like
1: CEO like the of CEO, CEO or technical or, yeah. director, he's basically yeah, he's basically um he's Steve glass 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 boss. boss.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Lovely stuff. Anyway. Looks like a pretty competitive leader, But yeah, Sean Michaels is San Antonio. 7-0 winner against the Charleston battery. On to the young team. After a tricky few weeks for the under-18s, they got back to winning ways at Cormac Park as Sevco youth travelled north in the Cass under-18 league. So start to this one. Burst into life on 18 minutes as Cammie Wilson drove past the Rangers defensive line, only to be pulled back in the box. But Kelspree, nothing doing from the referee, the Dons continue to dominate the opening 30 minutes. Adam Emsley seeing a curling effort flying just over the bar before Blair McKenzie's header from a Dylan Lobbin corner also flew over the bar. Just before halftime, Alfie Stewart's effort from outside the box sailing harmlessly over the bar before Adam Emsley then had another effort to fly just past the post as the young Dons ended the half strongly. Ten minutes into the second half, the Dons finally made the breakthrough. Blair McKenzie taking control of a cross and swiveling and volleying home from 12 yards. A fine finish from the big defender. Alfie Stewart then going close with another volleyed effort that just clipped the bar before Adam Emsley nearly got his name on the score sheet before he again had another effort saved by a combination of Rangers players. All said and done, a very good performance. A 1-0 win over the Glasgow side to help get the under-18 season back on track, back in the rails, ready to pull the nose up on this thing. Brother. On the women's team, so ahead of the midweek visit of United to the Balmoral on um, Wednesday evening came the news that club captain Lauren Campbell is going to hang up the boots at the end of the season. That game on Wednesday evening will mark the last home match for uh, Lauren Campbell for the club. Campbell obviously joining through one of the earlier iterations of the team at the age of 12, worked her way through the Aberdeen ladies' ranks, making appearances for both the Scottish national side at under-17 and under-19 level, took the captaincy on the start of this season after Kelly Forrest retired at the end of last season and Lauren also became the first player to break through the 100 game barrier for the AFC women's team in their current guys in the game against Celtic back in February. So a true stalwart of the women's team um, a bit of a surprise I think the news then when it came through on uh, early in the week that, that Lauren was going to be hanging out the boots but um, Gav you were down at the Bomberville on Wednesday evening to watch the game against United she's um, going to be a, a big miss
1: myself and the bag for life were were there um we we've, we we we've, we live reasonably close to the balmoral and it's just unfortunate that often they play sundays and it makes it hard to to get there but we try and we do try and get to as many games as we can and uh, we were there for the previous home game against glasgow women and had already decided we we're going to go and watch the united game but when lauren Campbell, the came out and i'm guessing that was quite as much to do with them um, trying to make the game Bit of a spectacle, and recognizing that um, you know, Lauren should deserves the accolades that she rightly got at the game. Um, it was a very competitive match, um, at times bordering on frustrating. Um, the referee, by the way, um, if you thought Nick Walsh was bad, even 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 the grannies behind me were, were raging at this guy. But uh, I, I felt a little bit like that maybe the occasion, the emotion, got to Lauren. Anyone that's been to a women's game. Uh, Aberdeen will know that she's often a very vocal um leader on the pitch very sweary very sweary uh, but she was quite quiet uh up until the final stages uh competitive close game could have gone either way but I was delighted that in the end we got a little moment of quality from Ailey Shore feeding uh, Bailey Hutchison who then slots it away perfectly Bailey Hutchison got through a, a power of thankless work on Wednesday and she deserved that that goal and it was nice, you saw, um, I could see that Emma Hunter was was in the stadium, uh, Carrie Doig, Hayley Shirt, a lot of people, uh, alumni of the women's team, showed up to to recognise Lauren and deservedly so. She's been uh, a true servant to the club and uh, wish her all the best in the next chapter of her life.
0: Yeah, absolutely, definitely. And after that 1-0 midweek win, as you say, Gavinov United, uh, a fitting way to finish that home run for Campbell. All eyes turned to the weekend visit to Hamilton Aki's in what is the, the Queens penultimate SWPL1 fixture. Three changes to the Dons lineup that beat United in midweek. Chloe Gover, Bailey Collins, and Eva Thompson coming in for Millie Uckert, Hannah Stewart and Maya Christie, who were all on the bench. The Dons with a pretty decent start to the game, but then, well, it seems like it's been that sort of weekend as far as a uh, refereeing goes for Aberdeen. Jess Broderick sent off after just six minutes, finding herself one-on-one with Kirsten McIntosh for the Ackies, 30 yards from goal. Ackies player looked as though she'd possibly given Broderick a pull, Broderick returning the favour, referee deciding it was a foul by the young centre-half and having, in their eyes, no option but to send the Aberdeen player off for denying an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. The hosts then had the opportunity to take the lead from the resulting free-kick, Annalisa McCann, playing off a great save from Rachel Ross's effort. The visitors still rallying well, from that early setback as they look to get on the attack themselves, Ogilvy doing well to break from midfield and her through ball to Ava Thompson was cut out by Aki's goalkeeper Chloe Nicholson. But it was the host who carved out the first clear chance of the match just on the half hour mark. Josie Girard going close down the right hand side before firing an effort just wide a target. At the other end, Billy Hutchinson spinning away from her marker on the left hand side of the penalty area before seeing her low shot tipped around the post. And there were loud appeals uh, from the home side for a penalty when Donna Patterson appeared to pull an Aki's player in the box. But fortunately for the Dons, nothing doing. At the break, halftime, nil-nil. Change of the break for the Dons, Chloe Gover replaced by Amy Black. And it was Black who had the first attempt of the second half. She kick, but turned the ball wide. Aberdeen had started off the second half looking the better side. Lauren Campbell a blocked shot as well, but it was the host who finally broke the deadlock eight minutes into the second half. Lucy Sinclair turning in across from close range. Almost an instant response from the visitors as Bailey Collins made space for herself in the box, but Nicholson did well to save the midfielder's low shot at the near post. Annalisa McCann with a huge stop just after our mark to keep the Dons in the game. Girard getting away from black as Hamilton counter-attacked The striker found herself clean on goal with McCann, but she did well to narrow the angles and stop Girard's effort. But it wasn't to be one for long. The visiting keeper beaten for a second time only six to eight minutes. A deep cross into the box found Ailey Martin, and she forced home the ball from close range. The Dons, though, did get themselves on the score sheet on 77 minutes. Hutchinson's free kick from wide on the right-hand side found Ailey Shore, completely unmarked in the box and she calmly side-footed home her sixth goal of the season and the Dons pushed and pushed and pushed for that final 10 minutes to try and get a unlikely equaliser, a good passing move culminating in Eva Thompson sending a snapshot over the bar from inside the penalty box but the Dons just running out of steam just that little bit before we got to the end of the game, finished up Hamilton Aki's 2, Aberdeen 1. On Nerds now to next weekend, the final SWPL1 game of the fixture where the
1: Quines will travel to face Motherwell. Because it's always fucking Motherwell. Always Motherwell. I think we've also got to recognise that, well, two things. Um, We're talking about Lauren Campbell. The game with United at the Balmoral was also Millie Uckert's final game at Aberdeen. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Before she sets off in the summer for her scholarship in Jacksonville. So want to wish her all the best. I think you can see why Jacksonville would have um, enrolled her for that scholarship. She's a very um, is a very athletic player, which I think um, obviously does you a lot of good in America. So wish her the best. Uh, we spoke to her uh, for an hour or two at the sponsor's dinner. She's, um, she's a really cool kid and wish her all the best. And you know what? The season maybe hasn't gone as well as we'd hoped uh, for the women, but that win on Wednesday does mean that we are guaranteed SWPL football. And when you remember how far the club have come in a reasonably short space of time, you can't underestimate what an achievement that is. So moving on to next season, hopefully we can uh, kick on from here.
0: Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And hopefully we're going to get a chance to speak to Millie before she departs to Jacksonville, Um the Dolan, the ABZFP uh, sponsoring Millie. Um, for the back end of the season Um, and then Melissa Grigio will come and have a chat with us when we get a chance to do so so that'd be pretty cool to get that done and yeah the other part which is interesting as well is I think earlier in the week Gavin Levy confirmed that the the recruitment process for a new uh, head coach for the women's team is still very much um, up and running it's still going um, and that the person that they are going to employ for that will be a full-time position now which is not something that was happening uh, previously under Emma Hunter and and Gavin Beath um, when the job advertisement was previously out after Emma Hunter left, it was for like a 20-hour-a-week part-time gig, there's clearly been a decision made within the club that they're going to change that and adopt a, a professional approach as far as the, the, the coach is concerned which is the only positive thing, you've seen the benefit of that I think the Hearts have had this season as they've kind of gone down that semi-pro model but they've employed a full-time professional coach as well, so fingers crossed that can mean that moving forward next season that the, the Queens can kick on um, and, and again, preserve their status in SWPL1 and hopefully get themselves a little bit further up the league. Um, it's a very, very young squad as well. I think that's the thing that needs to be borne in mind about the Aberdeen team. It's a very, very, very young team. They're going to lose experience as well with Lauren Campbell dropping away from the setup next season. A um, lot of good talent in that squad, and
1: uh, yeah. fingers crossed yeah. they can hopefully continue to kick on from, from say, Make no mistake, there are some good players in that team. It just needs Absolutely. to be, um, just needs to find a way just to put it all together on a more consistent basis. Definitely.
0: And so, Gav, I think that'll do us for this half. Thumbs up. Um, uh, One bottle of whiskey down. Yep. And we're going to get our beer. Join us on the other side. It was already
1: most of the way down. (laughs) (laughs) He says. Join us
0: on the other side. We'll bring you the results of the ABZ FP 2022-2023 end of season awards. And we'll preview the trip to Gorgie on Saturday lunchtime This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street Aberdeen Siberia Bar like us all are praying for European nights this summer with the end of the season looming and the prospect of a big summer at Pottery on the horizon Make a night of it by visiting the bar pre- and post-match, grabbing some cheap drinks using the ABZ Pod discount, and even better, stay in the hotel after a big night of celebrations and get 15% off your stay in the hotel by booking direct with Siberia Bar and Hotel and using the code ABZ Pod. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Before we move on to talk about the ABZ FP 2022-2023 End of Season Awards and the Hearts game on Saturday, just a quick shout out to those of you who continue to make your contributions to the Beer and Coffee Fund this week, including Ian Morgan-Smith, Salou Ian, and Hammond, no first name, Richard, maybe a piano, organ. We see you, your bread's appreciated if you'd like to help keep us fueled in Beers or coffee, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ, the football podcast. The link is in the description. Shout us a beer or a coffee. It is absolutely much appreciated. Now, on the Aberdeen to Gothenburg challenge, thank you to everyone who made your donations for this one last week, as we have now all individually managed to reach our final destination of Gothenburg ahead of, or Gav in your case, on the 11th of May. So that's 2,261 kilometres in the bank, each individually. But but we didn't quite make it to our donation target. So, much to the chagrin of Gav and to Graham.
1: Well, to it's myself. it's more the fact that you booked this on the fly without telling us. That's what it's all about, Gav. You know, how's your territory doing? <laughs> you called in the ring without actually calling it in the ring. Sometimes you
0: have to call stuff in the ring, Gav. I'm thinking about, you know, Sting Jeff Hardy at Victory Road. <laughs> <laughs> or Brett Sean in Montreal, because it was a <laughs> yeah. work. Yeah,
1: definitely, absolutely. So anyway, we're going to extend this out a little bit. I mean, what I would say is like to that point is that it was an ambitious total that was set. Yes, it was. Um, And we have to give enormous thanks to the, sh- the amount of raffle tickets and donations that have been made over the past two years. Because, you know,
0: we put yeah, these it's things in place. Ridiculous.
1: We put these things in place, but it doesn't really matter if no one responds. And we've made... We've been able to use this to raise a obscene amount of money for for charity in, in the northeast of Scotland and for the Angus McDonald Foundation, but there was a really good spike on the eleventh in there terms was. of the donations to that uh, that Just Giving page. So for all of those that have donated previously and on the day and since, um, our utmost thanks.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, no, no, definitely. But we we don't settle for not quite meeting our targets, do we? Let's be honest. So thank you to everyone who's done it so far. But we recognise we've asked you guys for a lot over the last few weeks because, and as Gav says, there's been loads of stuff going on, raffles um, for both the um, for the Duke print and then for the hospitality of the game at the weekend and the Angus McDonald signed shirt. And there's probably going to be something else coming soon as well. So, So we do appreciate the fact we've asked you guys to dig deep. So that's also part of the reason why we decided, you know what, we'll extend this out a little bit longer. Um, we'll keep doing something in order to make sure that you feel that you're getting um, your money's worth out of us. So we're going to extend out the challenge a little bit further. We're going to add another 637 kilometres to the total distance that we each need to cover. So we each individually have to do this. And we're going to have to do that before the 22nd of November 1983 because that distance would bring us from Gothenburg to Hamburg and that date the 22nd of November is the date of the first leg of our Super Cup Triumph over the Germans. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to add an extra 637 clicks to the total. If you'd like to make a donation, help us try and reach our total because we are donating the funds for this one 50-50 between Aber Necessities and the AFC Heritage Trust. Please head on over to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash ABZ football podcast. If you can, we'd massively appreciate it. Those two charities would massively appreciate it. And from that perspective, we'll move on because it is time. Now, it is awards season after all. Um, I see it's the PFA awards dinner this evening in Glasgow. Um, It's not quite as fancy a, a, an event this evening. Gav's not in a black tie. Uh, I don't have my dicky bow on either. He has just zipped up his tracksuit though, so there we go. We're going all smart for this moment in time. Um, It is time to announce the winners of the ABZFP 2022-2023 End of Season Awards. Slightly truncated version compared to last year's. Um. But there we go. There was a lot of ridiculous categories last year, mainly around the fact that Mark McGee had been employed by Dundee. Um, there we, we nearly got through an entire episode without doing anything about Mark McGee, which I feel bad about because it was good to see him back this week.
1: Listen, you know, I, I love the fact that he was involved in the BBC documentary. Yeah, I love the fact that he has been in Aberdeen and he's, you know, uh, been rightfully recognized for his enormous contribution as a player. But make no mistake, in about a week's time, I'll be back to my usual ridiculing like Mark as a human being. <laughs> uh, where were we? Men's Young Player of the Year. Oh, here we go. Men's Young Player of the Year.
0: And to qualify this, you had to be under 23 at the beginning of the season. And I've mainly done this just to avoid somebody picking up every single award we might have to uh, issue out this season. The nominees for this one were Ryan Duncan, Matty Pollock, or Leighton Clarkson. And the winner, with a stunking 89.9% of the vote, was... Leighton Clarkson It's not the Hall of Fame of <laughs> Yeah, true <laughs> I need to do my best Rob McLean impression Let's not do that, anyway Rob McLean's a hard
1: person to imitate
0: He is a little bit, isn't he? Yeah. Well, just do like Alan Partridge in a Scottish accent and you're kind of there Not sure I'm comfortable doing that on a recorded forum No, quite possibly not Anyway, let's move on Next category, Gav, is We move on to goal of the season excellent so I'll do let's do this in a proper format so I'll read the nominees and you can do you can do the announcement the winners well should
1: we should we also mention like who we would have picked for this okay fine
0: right well go I'm on sure then I'm sure that people
1: are interested in what we think about things
0: do they I don't know anyway right well go back then young player of the year who should have been Gav? Uh, Leighton Clarkson excellent <laughs> Leighton Clarkson for me so let's move on goal of the season the nominees were uh, Leighton Clarkson versus St. Mirren Leighton Clarkson versus St. Johnston Duke versus Ross County Um, this is the overhead kick Boya Miofsky versus Muddle the chip at Fir Park Leighton Clarkson versus Hibbs back heel. Yep, Duke versus Dundee United back heel back heel. Liam Scales versus Sevco 5088 Limited completely meant and Boya Miofsky versus Sevco 5088 Limited and I should put out somebody asked me where Matty Kennedy's um free kick against Kermarnik was in the list there was a general recognition within the group when I say the group I mean the three of us that you can't have a goal of the season awarded from a game that you lost, right? It, it was a stunning free kick, though. It was, but that's like saying, if he'd scored that against Darville and we got beat 2-1 by Darvel. can you imagine going, the goal of the season is, it's Matty <laughs> Kennedy against Darville Just
1: part of an FP conspiracy to screw over <laughs> Matty Kennedy, isn't
0: it? I'm not the one who's got the issues. It's Graham. Anyway, speaking of which, I did spot today, because I'm um, doing a lot of work with... Um, With my eldest at the moment on his numbers and stuff And I thought a good way for him to learn his numbers Is to look through the squad numbers Of the players Good way for him to identify numbers and then work with it On Don's website today, I noticed that Matty Kennedy Is listed on the Aberdeen um, website With an Irish trickler Against his name, which I think I think Might be slightly controversial, but never mind Move on
1: from that topic Gav You're here to make the award announcement for Goal of the season so hi, I have got the envelope in front of me, and I'm delighted, to announce the winner with 43.6 percent of the vote. You guessed it; it's Duke at Tannadice versus Dun United.
0: Ba, 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 ba. And this, once again, it's the only war ceremony music I
1: know. It's the only war ceremony music I
0: know. So there we go. Um, on to well, well I mean, next, no,
1: no, 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 we're because we're okay. giving our oh respect. yeah, sorry. So what would oh, you no. have picked
0: for that? Um, oh it's hard this one, I think, because. I like so much the Duke goal at Ross County, the overhead kick. It's Duke in a nutshell. I think if we win the game, I would probably have picked that. But because we don't win the game, I, I feel I can't pick it. And I really, really, really love the boy in Meoski go against Rangers. So... I love everything about it. Um, but I have to go Duke United. It's just so silly. It's just, it's a brilliant goal. And the fact he decides, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to back you this in. It's just the funniest thing going.
1: So, yeah, it has to be. It can't be anything else. There's, there's so many incredible elements. It's the pressing. It's the nod. It's the bullying of Edwards. It's the skinning Mulgrew, And then he could have easily just opened his body up and rolled into the corner. But no, back heel. But, but, I'm oh. a sucker for a diving header. Oh. And the ball in from Leighton Clarkson yeah. is nothing short of incredible. The header from Miofsky and the fact that that basically seals the victory against Rangers. Boy, i that's my goal of the season. Good, I like it. <coughs> Excellent. I'm pleased to see Mose some recognition in awards season
0: this year because if I hadn't been for Duke, this guy would have probably walked away with all the awards this season. And there we are. Anyway.
1: Yeah, so we move
0: on. Yes, on to the next award. Be more, uh,
1: a more general award. A more general award. Aberdeen FC related. The Scottish football moment of the year. Here, present, here to
0: read out the nominees. Uh, it's Willie Miller who's having to walk from... West Hill, as it felt like at the play of the year towards dinner last week. And then he got dug out by Rob McLean for not being quick enough. And it's like, Rob, he's he's fucking Willie Miller, mate. Like, shut up. We'll pay some respect on the name. Anyway, it's enough about Rob McLean. <laughs> Scottish football, moment of the year, 2022, 2023. The nominees were Scotland 2, Spain 0, Rodri's Tears. Dick Campbell flashing the middle finger to a Hamilton Aki's fan captured live on BBC Sports Scotland on a Friday night. Our broth coach John Young's multiple sets of eyewear that he has. And a truly sensational thing, it's fair to say. Next nominee is the Stevie Me Mark Birgitti goal at Tanadice. Very funny, especially the fact you could bid to get Mark, Birgitti, Mark Birgitti's match-worn shirt from that game off the Dungeon United website. And it was 75 quid, so it was very tempting. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <clears throat> sticking with the Dungeon United theme, Dungeon United and their AZ Alkmaar print that you could purchase after the first leg that they unveiled the day before they got hammered. Was it 7-0 in Holland? That sounds about right. 7-0 seems right. Um, next up, uh, the Celtic banner. VAR decision, Douglas Ross is a... Stick the beep in there, Gav. Excellent. And then finally, Sevco won Liverpool 7 in the Champions League to round off. The worst ever performance by a
1: team in the Champions League. And Gavin, the winner is? The winner, is the people have spoken with 59% of the vote. It's Scotland 2, Spain no. um, What almost felt like the culmination of the Steve Clark era as Scotland manager as we capitalised. Uh, so we beat Cyprus. Cyprus? Yes. Yep. Previously, uh, Norway had lost, uh, Georgia of dropped points. And then we go ahead and we do what we never do. We beat, we take the big scalp, uh, 2-0 from Spain. It was it was incredible. Um, I'm jumping the gun. That's that's my Scottish moment of the year as well. That's your moment of the year. Uh, mine's is absolutely unequivocally Stevie May, Mark Because It's <laughs> just really funny. Just really, really funny on a number of different levels. Having watched Stevie May for two years, I mean it's pretty much the range that guarantees a Stevie May goal. <laughs> <laughs> I just love all, everything about it. It was brilliant. Anyway, let's move on. Also, you have to also remember that there is like a proper hospital pass from Charlie Mulder in that situation as well. Yeah,
0: ev- that's what I mean. Everything about that goal yeah.
1: is just brilliant. I, I love it to bits. Yeah, that's fair. I I uh, accept I accept that as well. A-
0: and I think as well, my favorite part of it was the fact you could bet on the Marbury berrieted jersey. I think that's just proper classic United not reading the room as they fail to do. From a social
1: media, from a media and commerce perspective, all season long. And you know what? If you hadn't blown the match shirt budget on Dan Smith, we could have got that. Could have had it. What was I thinking? Where is the Dan Smith shirt, by the way? It's upstairs in my study. Frame, It's not framed. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Still sitting in the bag. Gate Gate says, finest Aberdeen player.
0: Still sitting in the bag with me wondering, what did I actually do that for? Never mind. Anyway. (laughs) Gav, the next category is... The AFC moment of the year. And so the, the nominees are, and maybe this is a little bit cheeky because somebody's in here for a second time.
1: I feel we maybe should mention that these awards were determined prior to this week. Yeah, you're right. Because clearly the Gotham celebration should Ilber be clearly Ramadani,
0: Ilber Ramadani's performance because Hibbs would be right in here, obviously. I mean, Why, it, <laughs> why is Ramadani versus Hibbs in this, by the way? Well, come on to that. Anyway, the nominees are Duke's Goal, against Dundee United. Yes, Gavin, what's wrong? No, carry on. Ilber Ramadani's goal against... Can't believe a
1: deflected goal is in this category.
0: Yeah, but it was the moment, right? Everybody had been willing, Ilbert to get a goal and for it to happen at the Red Shed then was brilliant. And it was a brilliant moment, so stop being... By, ev- by everyone,
1: you mean you. <clears throat> I was I, I was even in the Red Shed that night. I was in the stadium. Yep, you were in corporate eating your prawn sandwiches. Indeed, I was. Uh, Aberdeen
0: 2... Sevco 5088 Limited or One-Legged Duke versus Hearts. So, Gav.
1: Well, I'm delighted to announce the winner with 60.1% of the vote. It's Aberdeen 2, Sevco nil. It's hard to argue with it, isn't it? It was, we've commented, it was a pretty special day to be inside Potodra. But, it's not my moment of the year. Oh, well, according to Gav. You're going to pick something that's not on the list, aren't you? No, no, something. It's oh, on the can... list. It's okay. on the list for sure. It's Duke's performance against Hearts. <laughs> it was great. It was brilliant. It was incredible. <laughs> he is genuinely JR's proverbial one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest, and he kicked ass. He even <laughs> set up a chance that Bajawan couldn't miss. <laughs> uh back
0: when Vinnie was like flavor of the month with Jim Goodwin. Remember those days? No, anyway, nice. the sticky toffee
1: flavored. Yeah, quite possibly. Who knows? Who knows? I, hope um, I, hope, I really do hope Vinny's been enjoying his like three month vacation in this half to ha- of the season. He seems to be having a good time. Every time a season's uh, like I see him, I'm still I I hope we, I hope we see him again next year. Yeah, absolutely. Completely. I don't think we will, but I, I hope we. Do. I have a funny feeling Rob's will get a tune out of him. I've got a feeling Vinny's decided he wants to go
0: back to Holland. Maybe. Let's wait and see what happens. Anyway, right. Um, my one will be, and it comes as no surprise to anyone, Elba Ramadani as Hibs at the top of I thought it was brilliant. Loved it.
1: Eagle celebration. It Brown feels stuff. it feels a little too close to the Black Panther thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, Gav. We're here. The main events. The two main events here now. Next yeah, this up. Is
1: what, this, is the, this is what you're here for. So first
0: things first, it is the Women's Player of the Year. Indeed. So here we go. The nominees are Bailey Hutchison, Millie Uckert. Lauren Campbell, Ailey
1: Shore and Jessica Broderick and Gav. 48% of the vote. The winner, this will come as no surprise given that she mopped up the awards at the Player of the Year dinner, it's Ailey Shore.
0: Indeed, it's Ailey Shore. I think there are reasons you could possibly order this to any one of the nominees who were in play this year. Um, Bailey Hutchinson continued on from, from last season. A very, very, very impressive performer. Lauren Campbell. Has had a really good season on an individual level, leading the club um, through what's been quite a difficult season. Don't get me wrong, um, but she's I think Sean Sean in that role. Ailey Shore has been brilliant, as you say. She mopped up all the awards at the uh, at the, the the Player of the Year dinner, and then the same goes for Jess Broderick as well. She's had an excellent season. Millie Ucker, a breakthrough season for Millie as well, uh, coming through. But it's hard to look past Ailey Shore, isn't it? In
1: this award at this moment in time, uh, a real a real class act. Um. A, a, a little um, I guess a personal anecdote. we've we've all like we've all played against like players from like the Highland League or guys who have like been at professional clubs and they've dropped down and, you know, for whatever reason, I've not made it as such. Um, I recall i I used to play in a a Wednesday fives game, and every now and again we would be short of a player, and um one or two of the lads would just say they could get their sister to come along and play. And this red-haired girl appears. And, and this, this isn't like a, this isn't like a good part of my personal, I'm not trying to make it I know us, but I'm just like, okay, it's a girl, I can't really like go in on her like, as I would, if it's, you know, my brother, for example, I swear, and it's Ailey Shore, and I swear to God, Ailey Shore has got the best touch of a footballer I've ever come across. She is an v- incredibly good player. As long as Aberdeen can have her, that's a massive advantage. I think she could go on to do some incredible things if the opportunities were to arise. Um, and she's entirely deserving. You could see just every day you watch the Aberdeen Women's team, she is so integral to everything good. And um she's yeah, she's 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 a really good player and she's a really cool person as well.
0: Yep, absolutely. I'm gonna go with the sentimental one. I'm gonna give it to Lauren Campbell for this year. Um retires at the end of the season stalwart of the club since she signed um, at the age of 12. Has done a really good job. I think I think it was difficult to come into that role to replace Kelly Forrest. Kelly had obviously been an integral part of the team on the women's side for, for many, many years and had been captain inside for a number of years. Difficult for her to come at that role, but I think she's kind of flourished in it. And I think as well, it's not been an easy season uh, for the women's team as well. I think Lauren's kind of carried herself with uh, with real kind of dignity and real grace and she's put on some really good performances as well this season. So I'm going to give it to Uh, Lauren
1: Campbell for this year. And that leads us to the final awards. Gav? Ladies and gentlemen, the main event of the evening, the Men's Player of the Year Award. And the nominees are Louis Duke
0: Lopez, Boya Miofsky, Ilber Ramadani, and Leighton Clarkson. And Gavin, I'll hand over the golden envelope to yourself to make the announcement of the coveted men's player of the year award to follow on from Ross McCrory who picked up last
1: year and I have inspected this envelope to make sure that we don't end up in an Oscars La La Land situation (laughs) it's the winner with (laughs) 71.3% of the vote is Shaden no um with 71.3% of the vote the winner you know it we all know it it's Luis Lopez it is the Cape Verdean sensation that we know as Duke. Any doubt in your mind on this one, Gav? As far as I'm concerned, it's a travesty that he's not up for PFA Player of the Year. Yeah,
0: I'm kind of, I'm actually very surprised. Not if they've allowed themselves to get Van Veen in there, and don't get me wrong, Van Veen's had a very,
1: very good season. Van Veen has. Oh, check, check, Gary, check <laughs> that. The, lame, he's lame, he sees, lame, he's lame laying the, the ground work. groundwork in for, work. for when he signs up in June. <laughs> great guy as well by oh, the way seems like a top well
0: I noticed as well he looks like his uh, him and his partner are expecting a baby so you know all the best Kevin
1: Um, you know what you know where a really nice place to raise a family is hey listen there's plenty of people say that about the northeast of Scotland Um, um I think if you're going to throw three Celtic players I mean like Duke's been more important to Aberdeen than one or two of those Celtic players have in the Celtic yeah. C- Celtic are a Celtic are a collective unit I mean Aberdeen are not where we are if it's not for, without Duke
0: yeah, I agree completely. I, I think each one of the, the, the nominees have got their own justifiable reasons for being there. I think Bojan Miosi's had a great season. I think people need to also look at Bojan Miosi's numbers. Bojan's not been the most prolific of strikers in his entire career. Um, He has, I think, I'm pretty certain he's scored more goals at Aubrey in this first season than he's done in a season in his career up until this date. I think he's adapted to a new league really, really well. I think he's a class act. I think there's more to be come from Boyan if we can just make sure we keep the service flowing to him. Everybody knows my thoughts about Albert Ramadani. I fucking love the man. And he absolutely deserves to be in the list. And then Leighton Clarkson has been, in the main, a very, very good piece of business from a loan perspective. Because I think we all had the fear when he came in around... Because we were burned so badly over the last few seasons with Premier League under-23s coming up. And let's just say failing to kind of really live up to the hype, shall we say. But Clarkson has done that in the main... Don't get a great game of the weekend, but he's done that in the main. He's he's had some fantastic goals. He has assisted. I don't know how many times we've said it. Boy, Miowski doesn't score as many goals as he scores this season without Leighton Clarkson finding him. Um, Liverpool are getting a better player than what they sent to us.
1: Yeah, when it comes to that list, I think Leighton Clarkson has the the greatest potential to go on and have a really good career. Um, Mioski, I think, will go on and do good things. I hope he stays at Aberdeen for another year, certainly, and we can continue to provide that service for him. Ramadani in this list eh. But you know The winner is Duke It's it's immaterial Who else is on the list Because the winner is Duke Absolutely There we go We'll get the awards
0: commissioned We'll um, Hassle the fuck out Of people at Cormac Park To allow us to Fanboy and go and present them um, And hopefully we'll get that done And then uh, Duke can tell us About how he listens To our podcast
1: Of course um, Bailey Hutchison won Women's player of the year Last season
0: Bailey Hutchinson picked up Women's Player of the Year last year. Yes, that's correct. So Ailey Shore, we have a, a different winner on that category. Calvin Ramsey picked up Young Player of the Year last year. Um, and I can't remember what we picked for goal of the season, last season. Uh, Vinny against Hibbs. Vinny Bajewin against Hibbs. that's right. Yeah, so we'll have a new winner in that
1: category as well. Excellent, Gav. Right, time to move on. Let's preview the third place decider.
0: Right, here we go. Three games left to go. The gap remains five points between the Dons and the Jammed Hearts as we battle out for third place. I think it's fair to say, Gav, that when we looked at the post-split fixtures when they came out, we all looked at the games against Hebb's Hearts and St Mirren as being the most pivotal. Probably remains to be the case. Um, obviously, both Aberdeen and Hearts lost their first post-split game. They've drawn their second game. So we come in to this one where we were when we came in at the split. Always a difficult venue for the Dons to pick up three points at. Indeed, we haven't won in Gorgie since May 2017. That was a two-one win with Adam Rooney and Anthony O'Connor scoring the goals in that one. And we haven't. Sorry, indeed, we've only had four wins in our last 20 visits to Tynecastle on League Duty. I, mean,
1: I mean, it does feel worth mentioning that Hearts did spend a year of that in the Championship. They did. That's true.
0: That is true. But 20 in our last 20 visits to Tynecastle on League Duty, we've only won four games. 12 wins for the home side in there, only four draws. I've, oh, sorry, I thought there was something there. Of course, our last trip to Gorgi this season was the 5-0 Sheleking in January that preceded the Darvel Horror Show as our season completely threatened to unravel at the seams in what was one bad week for Mr.
1: <laughs> that cost Jim Goodwin his job, of course, yes. yes. Um. Yeah, I mean, this is part of the thing that has me a little bit... Exacerbated with people saying that the result against Hibbs doesn't really um matter as such, like the fact that you know things haven't changed because I've never associated Tank with the place that Aberdeen go and win. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, we had a good spell for a little bit under Derek McInnes, where we seem to have um have the measure of them at Tynecastle, Castle. But um, I mean, even then, like McInnes's team that went on to win the League Cup got beat
0: at Tank Castle twice that season. Uh, once certainly once at least. Twice, anyway, once,
1: twice, maybe twice. I want to twice, twice actually. We could We've, have would have played them. We would have played them at Tank Castle so twice. Yeah, I think because we got beat early doors in the season. Yeah. Uh, well, we Nicky Weaver. A, well, we lost to Petardio to them as well. Okay, so there was a
0: the Nicky Weaver game. Yep. And then was that not the same season they were going to get relegated anyway?
1: Well, it's the season they got relegated because they had like yeah, a thirty fifteen point deduction. At but the we had season. the chance
0: to relegate them at Tynecastle, and I think was it Callum Patterson? The they point. definitely beat us at like, Petardry. I remember that now. Yeah, but we we de- we could have relegated them pretty sure at Tynecastle, and
1: they beat us. I can't remember if it was a defeat or a draw, but I I think I we remember. didn't we didn't beat them. We didn't beat them that them anyway. season. Yeah. Um, when they were, but, really like, but when bad. they came back up, we seemed to have to measure them for like a little bit. Yeah, that's true. That, um, that is absolutely true. But I, yeah, I've yeah, i never thought of Hearts as being... Hearts away has never been to me, right, that's three points right there. Yeah. Regardless of what kind of state they're in. To be going into this game um, with three games to go, and if they beat us, it's two points. It's getting a little bit too close for my liking. Yes, I think that's
0: possibly fair to say. Obviously, Aberdeen with two home wins over Hearts so far this season, the latest obviously was that... Sterling 3-0 win at Patology where Barry Robson's charges blew Hearts away in that storming opening of 45 minutes. Hearts picking up a point on Saturday thanks to that last minute penalty from Lawrence Shankland. Is it a pen, Gav? There was a lot of debate on BBC Sports Sound last night, but whether it was or wasn't a penalty kick, I'm pretty, I think it's a pen. I, I,
1: um, My feeling is if I was a St Mirren fan and apologies Kenny, but thank God I'm not. <laughs> if I was a St Mirren fan, I'd be fucking raging at Ryan Flynn. Yeah, completely. So I don't. Silly. I don't see why. Why would you try and make contact? Yeah, the stupidity Never. of it to me alone makes it a penalty. Um, I think that gives Hearts a bit of a boost, doesn't
0: it? Come back from two 0 down at half time. They were reduced to ten men with Haring sent off. Oh God.
1: While we're on VAR, let's talk about Haring sending off. Well, I mean that's just another caveat in this whole <laughs> myriad of absolute fucking bullshit that is VAR. Um, the fact that that is given as a red card. VAR doesn't even intervene. Uh, that's the i most. It's it's, it's a red card. The referee gives the red card. And you could maybe think, well, maybe in the moment he thinks that he's gone with excessive force or he's gone with the studs. For the VAR official to just say, Yeah, yeah, that seems about right. Indeed. Um Hearts with the fourth best
0: home record in the league. They've got eleven wins, one draw, four yeah. defeats from their sixteen home games so far. That's that's concerning. <laughs> 58 goals scored so far this season against an expected goals of 51.6. The top scorer is Lonnie Shanklin. He's got 22 in the league. Of Hearts 58 league goals. 40 of them have come at Time Castle in their 17 games. So they are averaging over two goals per game at home. Of those 58 league goals, 39 have come from open play against an open play expected goals of 33.3. So they are overperforming on that metric. Seven goals in the league from set plays against a set play expected goals of 8.31. So they're slightly underperforming on the set play front. Indeed, those seven goals from set plays this season, that's the second lowest tally in the league from set plays this season. Only Dundee United have got fewer with Two, which seems like just such a horrendous number
1: from a, a <laughs> team in
0: Scotland, is not it?
1: Uh, what do they need to do? Is they need to get Alan Russell in?
0: as <laughs> manager. I've just seen the message you sent me. That's amazing. Um Yeah, they I need have, to get Alan. Russell. I have no idea why I've gone full-blown Scott Hall in that. I don't know. It was very good. I enjoyed that a lot. Anyway, um where were we? Hearts. <laughs> um, yeah, eleven penalties awarded to them this season. They've got a one hundred percent conversion rate from Alan Shanklin. So. But, 50% of his goals this season have been penalty kicks in the well, you know what? Just you have
1: to, well, you know what? You have to appreciate someone who can take penalties. I don't disagree, but hey, just, just throwing it out there. Just 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 putting it out there. Uh, pe- um, penalty taking is a skill. I, I don't disagree, but just, you know, all I'm saying, 50% of his goals this season... Are have you been trying to suggest that Lauren Shacklin is not as good as people make out?
0: I need to be careful what I say, don't I? Because you know what's going to happen at the weekend. Um that hearts do have or have had the most penalties awarded to them this season with 11 they've somehow been able to top out a team who plays in blue from glasgow on that metric
1: it does help when right wingers from black and white striped teams come in with the elbow so yes that is absolutely definitely
0: a, a big help defensively 53 goals conceded that's the same now as aberdeen hibbs and st mirren uh, jointly those sides have got the fourth through ninth best worst defences in the league there's a stat for you <laughs> the entire, I love the fact that the four teams who make up the rest of the top six have all conceded the same number of goals this season
1: how on earth have all three of them conceded as many as we have I don't, Well, to, when be fair, fair, no. to be fair, I feel like we've been stuck on 53 since about January when, Kit, when
0: Barry Robson came in, we went through a big run of clean sheets,
1: that's fair but I mean how can a team have taken what a 6 0, a 5 0, and a 4 1, just off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, I know. Be, I know. Uh, be, by almost definition, like one of the more sound defensive teams in the league. Well, if you put so it's fourth through ninth, right? Alphabetically,
0: we're the fourth best defense in the league.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. So uh, what you're saying is Jim Goodman was right. The defense would be easy to fix it. <laughs> well, as it turned out, it was just not with just Jim. Just not with Jim. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs>
0: Those 53 goals that they conceded, it's come against an expected goals against of 56. So they're actually doing all right on that front in a weird way. They should have conceded more, is what that means. Um, Of those 53 conceded, 34 of them have come from open play. That's the sixth worst record, worst record in the division. That's against an open play expected goals against of 35.65. So it looks as though Santa Clark, Craig Gordon have been kind of roughly on par, saving what they probably should save there or thereabouts. At set plays... Twelve set play goals conceded. That's the fifth best in the league, or the seventh worst, depending on how you look at it. Uh, that's against a set play expected goals against a 13.8. So again, they're kind of roughly on par, twelve against an expected fourteen. So since coming in, Naismith appears to have kind of kept in the same four two three one shape that Nielsen was using. Uh, he's also continuing to rely on playing Ginelli as the number nine. It's kind of like almost like a false nine with Shanklin playing deeper flanked by Oda and Mackay on either side. That's been the change is the introduction of Oda into the team from Naismith. Haring's come back in. Uh, he came back from injury and he and Devlin have been kind of used as the holding midfielders. as for as we've just talked about. Sent off on Saturday. It'll be interesting to see if Hearts decide to appeal that. Um, I would think you have to appeal that surely. After the Graham Shinney appeal, I don't know what you do. Who knows? They will have Cochrane back, though. From so the Cochrane suspension is interesting. Uh, Gav's doing his Scott Hall impression. Again. Oh no, not Alex Cochran. Mark it down now. Timestamp for when Cochrane scores against us the weekend. They <laughs> literally
1: had an open goal and he couldn't score that, so <laughs> <laughs> you can mark that timestamp as much as you want. Cochrane's a weird suspension because it was his second red card of the season,
0: but his additional game. Um, doesn't kick in until 14 days after the original offence and because they played on the Sunday and we play on the Saturday he gets to come back in for this game but then we'll miss Hearts' next game which will be against Rangers at Ibrox it's hard to see at this moment in time any real discernible difference in the style of play uh, with Naismith Um, we're going to kind of touch on it in a minute or two um, uh, we've got some Hearts' input to this I know I've said don't watch a lot of hearts, but it's hard to discern really any massive difference. The sample size is also too small to really pick up anything from the data. It's perhaps more likely looking at what's going on. They're probably playing the ball a little bit more directly up the park, looking for runs in the channels, looking to pick up second balls. Um, I think it's very clear that we'll need to be a lot more forceful in the centre of the park and in the wide areas than we were at the weekend against Hibs. Defensively, Naismith appearing to have kind of got them pressing a little bit harder big jump in their PPDA numbers in recent weeks which sees them now be currently the fifth most pressing team in the league on 12.3 from a PPDA perspective, that's passes per defensive action, so the number of passes they will allow the opposition to play before they introduce a defensive action. Gav, all in all all that chat aside, our record at Tynecastle is, to put it politely, fucking horrendous, we're still without Graham Shinney, likely Ross McCrory still misses out, although Barry Robson seemed to intimate in the post-match interview, that he may be back. Possible injury to Duke. Um, Hayden Coulson not informed. It's shaping up to be a tough afternoon in the capital at lunchtime So we've had to be moved because of Beyonce. Your thoughts ahead of Saturday and
1: Gorgie? I mean, first of all, I entirely understand why we've been moved for Beyonce because she, at the end of the day, is our queen. Um, I think if you were Harry Redknapp on transfer deadline day, you would say that we are down to the absolute bare bones of our squad. <laughs> uh, how well, do you not maybe not so much that? our squad, but maybe not so much our squad, but our players that can be trusted, uh, or the, are trusted by the manager. By yes. the manager. Um, listen, let's um, let's first of all go into the Hearts perspective because we were meant to be joined this evening by the gents from the "This Is My Story" Hearts podcast, but we yeah, were scheduling conflict means that yes. that has not been able to materialise, but he did. Kindly offer up his thoughts through twitter dms yeah he slid into our dms let's give you the heart's perspective on this hm. next upcoming fixture uh at time castle and this is all direct quotes. quote quoted verbatim yeah. um i'll skip out some parts but the message begins if you want my thoughts Doesn't matter the result on Saturday, Aberdeen are third and hearts have made the biggest (laughs) of this season, one of the most embarrassing collapses in our history. Ha ha ha. All because the media won't shine the light on one of the quote unquote good guys in the Scottish game. Robbie killed us and should have been sacked after the 3-0 at your place. On that. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that either.
0: I heard interestingly the week about this. Apparently, um, I don't know how true this is, but we're going to go with it anyway. Um, apparently in
1: the build up to that game that could be the tagline of this podcast by the way what? I don't know how true this is but we're going to go with it anyway <laughs> that's fine um, oh there'll be blood boiling
0: somewhere I imagine about that Hi. Um, apparently ahead of that 3-0 game Nielsen travelled up him on the Friday and played Trump didn't travel up the rest of the squad um, I don't think that went down very well with the the squad is all I'm gonna say. That and the fact that you hooked Cochran and apparently he tore a massive strip off Cochrane at halftime, and I don't think that bit went down very well in the in the dressing room. Well, I mean, they I mean,
1: should have torn a strip off Cochran. He was fucking terrible.
0: Yeah, but I think it was more the fact that he's he's quite a young lad, and it was kind of it almost felt like he's it was not like that he, young, really. I think it was just this idea that he he picked on the the guy who was least likely to. Anyway, there we go. Is it the fact that
1: him and Snodgrass tore a strip off?
0: I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. Know. They were best buds. I don't hear that part, but yeah, when he came and played Trump the day before and that didn't go down too well, so.
1: Anyway, um, continuing. Yes. We'll skip past the part where he says that he's rooting for Cali Thistle in the final so we don't get the group stage. You've said you have say you skip past. <laughs> the quote-unquote third best team in the country can't claim to be that and then end the season with only three league away wins. We've been a shambles all season long and the club have been happy to swallow Robbie's pish excuses and it has killed us. Naismith is trying to play more aggressive, but these players have had the life and flair coached out of them by Robbie. If we don't score after 20 minutes, we just revert back to type slow pedestrian football with no penetration. Which is borne out with the data, to be fair. I Think Aberdeen under Stephen
0: Glass. It is totally borne out by the data, though, because Hearts still are the, uh, the team with the third most possession in the league, um, third most passes, and they're the
1: third slowest team at moving the ball out of the park. We had 70% possession yesterday at away to St. Menon, and the six-minute highlights on YouTube from Sky Sports show only two highlights for Hearts, and that's both of our goals. I think the club's done the right thing by giving Nesbitt to the end of this season, but I do not want him full-time. He's an under-18s coach with no manager experience. Shouldn't be walking into the Hearts' job to learn. I would agree. We have had our fingers burned in that in the past. Like, if we finish third, you've gave verbatim you've gave robson a contract and he's failed to deliver third when we've been a shite show if that makes sense for us to finish third robson will have failed to win five most important games of the season so to speak and you'll have given the next three years which you know is a kind it's, of it's a, it's fair, a fair point, point actually it um, was a two-year deal but apart from that even a right. half a year deal but yeah that's that's uh, nevertheless um and then as something to inspire confidence in the average sport wilder at what is my choice Wilder Aberdeen is not my choice. So um, no, they, can, they choice can have them there. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and uh, yeah. finally, um, Hibs are such a strange team. Look good in flashes, then utter jobby in others. <laughs> we saw so good in flashes, unfortunately, uh, on the weekend. And we saw utter jobby from our own team. Well, I was thinking this after I was, ch- I was having a chat with the boys from This Is My Story. Because I was thinking, were Hibs
0: very good last yesterday? Or were we bad and Yuan was good? But the rest of the Hibs team didn't impress me at all. Um. Well, I mean... Their entire their entire
1: tactics was to give the ball to Yuan and let him run an us. I think this is maybe one of those occasions when, I think maybe you're right, I think maybe us look us being as bad made them look better, for a minute I thought Paul Han looked like a competent centre-half. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, we have. And if the last 10-15 years of Scottish will have proved anything, it's that he is not yeah. a competent centre-half. Um, Yeah, I think I think maybe, I think Hibbs will look at that game as being like how did we not win, but as much as uh... that has to do with the fact that Aberdeen were pretty yeah. terrible
0: Indeed Anyway Right Back on to Saturday then So as we touched on The other one we're st- Our record at Tank Castle terrible yep. We're going to be still Without Graham Yeah, Likely Ross McCrory Still misses yes. out Or if he does play uh, You're probably not getting 90 minutes out of him There's that possible interest to Duke It's going to be a tough Afternoon Early afternoon In the capital um, Thoughts on it Gav Do we It I think a change of shape is unlikely to happen because we know that Barry likes the back three and I think it would be weird to change the back three because they still, (laughs) somewhere, somehow, we still kept a clean sheet on Saturday,
1: right? Um, Change of personnel? The hounds of defense have been incredible (laughs) and they continue to be so. You're not changing that no matter what, I don't think. What I expect, I think McCroy is going to make this game but if I was if I was Robson, this is I'm not saying this is what I think Robson will do, but if I was by Robson, I'm getting Ross McCorry in that centre midfield area and I'm making us the most competitive midfield trio that I can. And I'm gambling. I'm going bold. I'm putting Jane Richardson in that team. I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. I heard what you said earlier about Matty Kennedy, but fuck it. (laughs) Matty Kennedy's gone in the summer. Alright, Kevin Nash. Fuck it. it. I'm sitting here with him. I'm sitting here Sitting here with a
0: pinot Thinking to myself You know Fucking pinot noir Like like, Thinking Jaden
1: Richardson My bag Fuck it Got my summers And my fanny pack (laughs) (laughs) Anyway Um, Matt Kennedy's gone In the summer Let's think that's Let's let's see If there is anything We have with Jaden Richardson Mm -hmm. We sunk a lot of money Into this kid And we've got What the recruitment Told us We were going to get Let's see If there's anything with them. And in the process of doing that, we give ourselves an outlet on the right side. We'll have the outlet on the left side with Johnny Hayes. And let's make the midfield as competitive and combative as we can make it. And that's with Leighton Clarkson doing what he's done in the quarterback role. And you get Ilbo Ramadani and Ross Bacoury just competing like fuck. And then up front, if Duke's not available, and again, I would be bold, Alfie Babbage. Alfie Babbage to start. Up top with... With Miofsky. Miofsky. It's a
0: big-ass... Um, Harness spirit yeah. of 83. Possibly. I mean, I, I it's weird. I actually feel like I could possibly see... Um, I could see a place for Marley Watkins in this one. Watkins holds the ball quite well.
1: What I've just said is what I think I would do.
0: Yeah. yeah I yeah.
1: think that... I I suspect that Robson we'll go with, if is available, he'll go McCroy right back. Yeah. Right wing back. Duncan will probably retain his position. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it'll probably be Watkins up front in his place of Duke. If Duke's just, you know, categorically not available to start.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's also, is there an argument potentially as well that I hate talking like this, but this is the weird thing that we've got something to defend, isn't it? It's in a way it's easier to chase. Yeah. Right, we've got five points to defend. We have yeah, three it, games to go. In is a there, weird way, I'd rather be Hearts right now because they know what they need to do. Need yeah, to exactly. It's all in their hands, exactly. But is there an argument as well here that if you get to a kind of 50 position with Duke during the course of this week, I would try and save him and have him fit for something at home because I think all being well, I think I I think there's a chance you can go and you can put performance in a time castle and you can still walk away with, there with a one 0 defeat, right? Um, whereas if you still then beat St Mirren on the Wednesday night when Hearts travel to Ibrox you can get yourself back to a five point gap again no matter what happens at Tynecastle, I'm not saying you, this is not me saying you write off Tynecastle. but if you have a choice which game is more important to us do you preserve Duke in the hope he's okay for Wednesday or do you play him in a game that he might not see much of the ball anyway and then you run the risk of being out for the rest of the
1: season completely I would if Duke if the medical department coming to me and say that Duke can play I play in my hearts okay for the sole reason that I want this done as early as possible which and is fair if, we, if he puts in a performance against hearts and scores a winning goal then that's it and then the remaining two games you take him out of the firing line and you put in you know Watkins or Bavage or whatever you want to do yeah. um yeah if he's available yeah I, I play Duke Okay, um, it feels to me, from obviously speaking to
0: the guys, that this is my story. But also looking at just everything generally, if we can try and keep tight opening 25-30 minutes, it feels incredibly crucial how the rest of that game could play out. The last thing you want at Tain Castle is to concede a goal within the opening ten minutes, yep. or something happened within the opening ten minutes that gives the home support that that belief, the impetus, and it can it, it's a difficult place to play, obviously.
1: We've um, we've all been at Tyne Castle. It's um in a lot of ways it's a it's a it's a great stadium to watch football in, but it'll be a horrible place to play if you're the away team and the, the home fans are on your back um and are behind the home team. I want us to go and blow them away like we did at Padra.
0: It's hard to do that though in
1: a away game. It's, it's, it? it is hard to do, but you know the what? The them have them
0: riled up and ready to go, and that's why I think we need we need to spend the first 15, 20, 25 minutes taking care of our own business
1: and not doing anything stupid. Fine I mean, oh, Stevie didn't have them riled up for St. Bernard at home. No, uh, he didn't play St. at home with Steven Nesbitt in charge. Was he not?
0: No, that was Nielsen's
1: last game. Was that Nielsen's last game? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's done nothing to change them since then. So, Stevie Nesbitt did not have them riled up for play St. at home. Um, <laughs> That's the flip um, side. Of this, no, I, like, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, contain, Yeah, contain them in that first 20 minutes. The data, as you've said, or they will then become, you know, um everything that we hated under Stephen Glass. Yeah. I They played and well I, and, against
0: Celtic at home, I thought, opening forty five minutes. They were And good you know what? The we're, we're, we're up, the so... team to,
1: you know, we're the team to do that.
0: That's my that's the thing that's kinda of given me a little bit of confidence, is I think if
1: we can make it niggly, shit it's probably us that can do that. I don't know how much success Matty Potts can have instructing the Hearts ball boys to hold on to the ball. And... <laughs> yeah. Throw an extra ball into the pitch every time there's a throw-in, but um, it's it's hard. I mean, right now it, it's hard to be overly enthusiastic and braggadocious about Aberdeen's chances, given that I'm still within forty errors of the Hibs game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But given what I've heard from um, this is my story, and just examining the Hearts form in this kind of second half of the season, and it's listen, Nice was not had the the bounce at all. I think we can definitely withstand. I have a funny feeling, we're coming to predictions shortly on. I have a funny feeling that once again, nothing is going to change by the time the final whistle blows.
0: Okay, well there we go then. Predictions then. That sounds like you're seeing
1: a draw. It's (laughs) going to be a 1-1 draw. Okay, 1-1. I think that we will get the opening goal and then they will score an equaliser, maybe from a penalty.
0: Okay, Uh, I am going to say 2-2. I don't see us winning the game. I, I'm not sure how it comes about. My my only slight concern is around, it's not so much the character of the team. I think there's character in this squad. It's dealing with that opening 15, 20 minutes in particular. I have a weird feeling it's going to be a really topsy-turvy kind of afternoon. So I could see us somehow grabbing a goal, maybe 30 minutes in, hearts equalizing, then them getting 2-1 up, and then us sneaking something at the very, very end. Uh, two, two. Kind of almost a bit like... Um, it's not the same, obviously, but that Coldwood game in the run to Europe in 2007-2006-2007 2000, eh, season um, where season has got a goal yeah, up and then with we the, managed with the, tr- to,
1: with the trundler from
0: Crewe, so. trundler and Barry Nicholson and then somebody will
1: get and then sent Barry- off or put <laughs> their tiny white on. Is, is someone going to reveal there? I love the fact that everyone goes on and Barry Nick on that. Even yeah. Russell I didn't expect to go on. I was like, Barry Nick never spent a day in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, he whips his top off to reveal his fucking vest. And... Ten inch biceps. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's very funny. Um, two
0: two. Who jinks the most likely of the squad at the moment to wear a tiny whitey? Well, I mean, there's no way Duke's
1: wearing one. I think. No, I imagine Boyan has one underneath his top. Ah, not
0: Boyan. It'll be Hayden Coulson. Hayden Coulson will get the equaliser. He'll come off the bench for Jaden Ritz and Jaden will have an all right game. And yeah, two two there will be five points to Gap. It'll still be alive, but I think we'll score so late on that it'll be a real
1: hammer blow. I I believe that if we come away from Tank Castle having not lost the game, third place is ours.
0: Yeah,
1: I agree. So everything is there for Aberdeen to, to win. There we go. Lovely
0: stuff. That'll wrap us up, Gav. It's been a pleasure. Indeed, as always. As always. Um, Again... Thank you for joining us here on the ABZFP. Please remember to like, subscribe or follow whatever you might do on your podcast. Player of choice, join us next week for episodes 104 and 105 where we'll review the fixtures against Hearts. We'll preview the game against Mirren and because probably time will dictate we have to do so, we'll also preview the final fixture of the season as we travel to Parkhead on the last day of the season with the hope of clinching Europe. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's £4 pint of Moretti or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop-taking
1: supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on you Reds!